You already know what it is. We got Aaron Singerman and PJ Braun holding it down for you and yours. The best in bodybuilding. Iron Empire Radio. Check it. You fucking with an Iron Empire. Harder than shells from a piece when I fire. Harder than hell. Feel the heat through the wire. All right, PJ, we are back. Iron Empire Radio is back once again. This is like, uh, what are we, two weeks in a row now? Three weeks in a row? Yeah, yeah, back. And uh, I'll get two weeks in a row not starting when I wanted to start. No, 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 no. You're no. Mr. Busy now. No, Aaron no. Aaron so busy now with all his jobs and all his <laughs> media stuff that he has to do. No. He became a big No, let's be honest. And, let's, and, let's be honest now. You wanted to move it back, and I went to the gym because you said I had time to go to the gym. And, of course, you know, that, that messes things up, and we have to reaccommodate our schedules. We have to resynchronize. You went to the gym for, like, two hours. Well, I mean, I got to work out, you know what I'm saying? I got to get my fitness on. <laughs> um, before we get any further, um, and I, I want to tell you I got to pick up Dave tomorrow morning. I want to tell you about that. But before we get any further... As I was um, writing the notes and stuff for the show and sending them to you, I got an email from a guy, Matt Teller. And uh, this, is, <laughs> this is a real person. Do you already know who he is? No, but I'm, I'm reading it right now. <laughs> All right. So let me read this out loud for you. This guy, for whatever reason, a lot of people, you don't respond to many emails on Facebook. You know, you get a bunch of them, so mm-hmm. do I. So a lot of people feel like it's their best way to get to you is me and in this this matt teller that's what he thought obviously dear aaron i'm a big fan of your friend dark pj please tell him and he said uh, he gives me a quote for me to tell you you are unique seductive central sexy desirable irresistible stunning flawless exotic exquisite refined like sweet wine good to taste gorgeous masterpiece work of art created by the greatest sculptor god who formed mm-hmm. Sculpted and created the perfect boy, perfect, unique, gorgeous man. You, so precious, so glorious, so beautiful, so lovely. There is no one like you. You are what I call a true man, fascinating and interesting. To describe how gorgeous you are would deplete the world of adjectives. I'm unable, and then he writes that. That's the end of the quote. He says, I am unable to get him to respond to my numerous emails. And I just want to let him know that my phone number is 512, you can, you guys can call him if you want, 512-324-2343. So uh, he would like to uh, talk to you, PJ. Now that you have his number, I'm assuming uh, you will get in touch with Matt Teller. I mean, uh, everything you said is accurate, that's the thing, but it's just a matter of the uh, creepiness in it, the creepiness factor. Yeah, that's um, that is pretty interesting. I think it's even more interesting that he sent it to me and tells me to tell you all of that, and then um, gives me his phone number for you to call him. We should get him and uh, Leo the uh, trouble, trouble seeker. Yeah, get so, them together. You know what you should do? You should send send that guy the link to the uh, donate button on my, uh, on yeah. my website. You know what we could do that would be a trip. I don't know if you're up for this, but I could call him right now mm-hmm. on, on three way if you want to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> are you, you pre- are you prepared to do that? I mean, this is the Skype number. They're not. You can't call me back or anything. You want me to? You yeah, want me to... let's call him. Let's call him. Let's, let's get him on. Will you? Will you talk to him? Yeah. All right. This is going to be fucking. This is going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm. This is unplanned, people. This is this is just spur of the moment. We had no uh, plan to do this or anything. So we have no idea what this guy is going to be like or how creepy or crazy he's going to be. I'm hoping very very. I wonder what he's going to do if he's going to like start screaming when you when you when he he knows you're calling him. Tell him you were very touched by his email. You know, 
the email touched you and you felt like we should call him and uh, talk to him. I hope you can. Okay, let's see. I'm putting his number in. Here we go. I'm going to let you handle the conversation, PJ. Yes. Here he comes. We are unable to identify your call. You will now be transferred to the operator. Transferring call. You want to talk to the operator? <laughs> no, it's okay. Oh well, we tried. It could have been. It could have been really good, PJ. Yeah, it I might wonder, have been a fake, like a little prank thing. That I, mean. I wonder if um, I wonder if because it's a Skype number and it comes up unknown or whatever, his phone doesn't answer. Could um, be. Could be. I don't want to call him on my phone. I don't think that that would be a good idea. No. no, no. <laughs> And I definitely don't think it would be a good idea for you to call him on your phone. <laughs> no, I don't want to call him on my phone. Either. Well, anyway, one more uh, of your uh, – that's one of your 75,600 subscribers right there. What's the typical typical uh, subscriber? The subscribers have been going up just a little bit faster lately. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean a little faster than mine, but um, not it, like it, they used it, to. It completely halted, and I actually lost a few. Um, but it's now it's slowly starting to pick up very slowly. But at least it's a few every day. That makes me happy. It was yeah. getting, uh, it's getting pretty scary for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least you're moving up again. I mean, um, you know, maybe, uh, I mean, you're a little ways. I mean, 76,000 seems like, you know, a little ways away. You're like a month till you get there at this rate. Yeah, it's going pretty slow. Yeah. Well, I'd like to state that uh, off the subject, I'd like to state that, um, I've grown very fond of A&W's Diet Cream Soda. Mm. And if anybody from A&W happens to be listening and wants to do a commercial with me, perhaps like taking a bath in it or something, we certainly do it uh, you know, for a lifetime supply of free A&W cream soda. Um, I heard they have a cool, I think Lewis told me, uh, the Big Sexy said that they have a new um, diet drink that they, I guess they've introduced to the California market, I've never seen here, called Dr. Pepper 10. It's like a 10 calorie Dr. Pepper. And he yeah, I've me, seen that. I've seen that. He tells me that it's amazing. Like, it's it's unbelievable. But th- we don't have it here. I would drink that in my off-season, but right now that's 10 calories I don't need. Yeah, yeah. You definitely, uh, you are you are strict. So let's, before we get into the wedding diet, because I'm on a uh, mm-hmm. P.J. Braun diet, and I don't know if everybody knows that yet, but uh, this is, uh, once again, we are video- taping late at uh, 1 in the morning my time. And at nine in the morning, I have to pick up Dave Palumbo from the airport here in Tampa. So this will be um, after. By the time we're done taping and I'm done editing, I won't be in bed till four. So it's going to be an early, early morning for me. What do you have to pick Dave up for? Um, Dave is coming to Tampa um, to shoot uh, with Envision Medical. You know, obviously, you know them that I work for them, and then they're sponsoring Arx Muscle in a pretty big way. So he's coming in uh, to shoot the, the or video the process of becoming a patient at Envision. So he's oh, going to go through the, okay. see the doctor you. and get everything prescribed. Speaking of that, um, you know, whenever you want to go, um, come by. They're they're willing to uh, take care of you fully. So yes, I need to get in there. I certainly need to get in there. Yeah, the owner okay. showing. We'll have to schedule that for when I am uh, down there for the wedding. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He's a. Uh, He's excited to get you in and take care of you, comp all your stuff. So, Fantastic. Uh, so I am on the wedding diet was what we're calling it. And um, basically, um, me and you have never worked together in this kind of scenario. Why don't you tell people what, what's going on? You do it. Well, why don't you tell people why you didn't want to work with me ever? 
Well, I guess that the logic behind it, there is a few reasons. One, uh, obviously, you and I are good friends, and I don't want to... I didn't really know if I wanted to take any direction from you. Um, and people probably may not know this, but you came to support me at the horrible atrocity of a bodybuilding show that I did when I was at the <laughs> Dexter Jackson classic and embarrassed myself. And it was, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. Um, and you were there and you saw what I was doing and how I was eating and you were, uh, very upset by it. And so like, I saw how pissed you were getting and I know how I am with a diet, even though when I worked with Ted, um, and I did look really good, you know, I looked way better than I did at the bodybuilding show for men's physique, mm-hmm. which is, uh, which is obviously not the way it's supposed to be, but um, uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, you know, even with Ted, I cheated. Not, not that I couldn't do it, but I did cheat a little bit. And I thought, you know, Ted handled it, you know, as well as he could, you know. But I knew if it was you, you know, you would be have a tendency to be get upset. Like you got, I feel like you got your feelings hurt personally in Jacksonville that I was like not listening to you on occasion. So I thought that if I actually, well, I wouldn't say that it was that my feelings were hurt. It was that. I was in my own prep uh, for my own show that I was taking extremely seriously, and you had made it out like that you wanted me there to help you, and I didn't feel that you were listening to me at all. So I basically came down there thinking that I was going to be helping you and guiding you in your last few days when, in reality, I was there to watch you not listen to me. Yeah, yeah, you you were upset. You got upset a few times. That that was not a good trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, <I didn't. laughs> not in not in any so many, respects was that a good trip. So many so many funny things came out of that trip, though. Yeah, yeah, we should tell some of those stories sometimes. They'll all make me look bad, but uh, at least they're funny. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll tell we can tell the Timbo story. The Timbo story, yeah, you, we'll do that some other time. That I, we're going to actually have Timbo on the show because Timbo is a uh, a I don't know what you say memorable character kind of. I guess that would be a way to put yeah, it. Very very memorable. People will he's, get a, people uh, get a kick out of Timbo. He's, he's quite the likable personality. Yeah. Very likable. Um, he is, he, people will like him. You know, even his accent on the uh, on the show, people will get a kick out of. So, <laughs> yes, they will. We'll, we'll get him to come on and talk about his dogs and smoking weed and stuff. He'll, uh, people will love it. Um, but uh, so I was resistant for those reasons. Basically, I, I you know, since we're friends, it's hard for me. I'm you know, the truth of the matter is, I've never been particularly good with dealing with authority. So putting a friend of mine in a position of authority seemed like a bad idea. Um, but in retrospect, when now that we're, we're I'm dieting again, um, I figured, you know, this is not as serious as a contest. You know, we're doing this. Um, the truth of the matter is I'm dieting for the wedding, not to look good in like pictures or, you know, look good in my dress or something. But um, just because I've gotten heavy, I've gotten, you know, I got up in the 260s and I started bulky, having bulky. bulking. Yeah, I was getting bulky. I started, um, I started gaining more weight than I needed to. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm kind of like the type of person that's either all the way on or all the way off. And I've been all the way off. I've been eating like surviving on sugar basically and no protein. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like I've been, you know, Ben and I was doing, uh, one or two pints of Ben and Jerry's every night before bed. You know, you know, it was just cakes. Darielle would go to the grocery store and just buy me like $80 worth of candies and cakes you know, and she'd buy herself, you know, chicken and and that's what we would be eating. So it just seemed like a smart thing to do. Plus I've been sleeping really poorly. My snoring has gotten so bad that Dariel goes to our bed and uh, goes to sleep. And then when I come to bed at like four in the morning, uh, she's been asleep for like five hours and I come lay down in bed 
And as soon as I finish reading and fall asleep, she wakes up because the snoring and goes to the other guest bed. Yeah, she sent me a recording of your snoring because she knows uh, that I know about your snoring. I know how brutal your snoring is because I've roomed with you many times at shows. I've actually freaked out on you uh, while you were sleeping because of your snoring before. So I'm told that you have screamed for you to roll over. Um, I don't know how your snore doesn't wake you up. That was what always blew my mind. I guess your own snoring doesn't do it. I mean, I, the good thing about my snoring is if um, if we were to play that uh, that clip, you would hear that although the snoring is bad, I'm not having like apneas like I used to. When I was really yeah. heavy, when I was the bear Jew in like the 280s, <laughs> 290s, I would actually stop breathing. And if you recorded it, you would hear the <sighs> the snoring. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, because <gasps> I couldn't breathe. And, th- and then I would wake up enough to what an apnea is is when you stop breathing and you actually wake up and the muscles in the throat uh contract again they get uh more uh um, i don't know what you call it like when you when you start sleeping the the muscles in your throat and all that stuff relax and that kind of closes the airways and then you wake up and everything kind of opens back up and you can breathe again and then you fall asleep and it happens over and over and at my worst when i went to um do a sleep study it happened a hundred times in an hour so you can imagine you're not getting very good sleep if you're waking up a hundred times yeah. an hour. Yeah, many, many heavier guys have sleep apnea. Uh, the remember the football player Reggie White actually died. Oh, yeah. Reggie White actually died of sleep apnea. Um, there was a, a bodybuilder that I wrote a gossip column about um, uh, from uh, Chelsea Graham. He died from Chelsea sleep Graham, apnea. Yeah. Remember him, Chelsea Graham? Yeah, of course. He yeah. died. He died from sleep apnea. Um, so. You know, that shit's pretty serious. And um, not that I had that, but my snoring was getting bad enough. And also I find, you know, what's interesting is when I get heavier, I fly so much, flying becomes more uncomfortable. Not just sitting in the seat, but at altitude. You know, I don't know if you know this, but when you're flying, they pressurize the plane. So it's like you're at 8,000 feet altitude. um, So that the walls don't get too much um, pressure. And like, you know, obviously if you got a lot of pressure on the outside... And they're they're keeping it at like um, zero altitude, then it's possible that there could be a problem with the plane. So they put it to eight thousand feet, and I actually find that I have harder time breathing when we're flying. When I'm flying, when I'm that out of uh, condition. Hmm. You've ever had that? No, I've never I've never had uh, any problems with sleep apnea ever, and I don't snore. Uh, I mean, a couple of times I've been told I snore, like when I was like really exhausted of like, you know, days of no sleep or something like that. Or if you're really drunk. For whatever reason. Yeah, <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, I don't. Uh, you would think a heavier guy I would, but I just I don't. Hmm. Lucky you. You probably get a lot better quality sleep than I do, too. Man, I, I got none and nine problems with sleep apnea anymore. <laughs> Lucky you. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I guess the uh, moral of the story is now I'm uh, dieting with you. Now, now your your turn. It'd be pretty awesome if you had to wear one of those machines, those CPAP machines. I have one. I have one. Dave gave me one. You know what's interesting is the owner of so many fucking pros actually had to sleep with one of those. Oh, wow! I saw him. I was like, I was like, what the hell? I was like, what the hell is on your face? Because the guy, you, you know. I gotta fucking wear this thing so I don't fucking die. Then all these fucking pros are gonna have nobody to fucking help out. <laughs> I fucking die in my sleep. Who the fuck's gonna train all these pros? Forget about it. Well, he 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 um probably you know he is smart for doing that. Uh, he not only does he have so many fucking pros, but he's obviously got the brains to know you need a sleep apnea machine if you have bad sleep apnea. Well, yeah. I mean, anybody that's 
that's you know creating champions like that isn't going to be on top of something like that. I got to release growth hormone, you know. Fucking, fucking pros need growth. I put this thing on my fucking face before I go to sleep, and I fucking uh, I turn the little fucking knob on here, and it fucking takes care of my breathing for me. I don't even got to worry about breathing on my fucking own. I got a fucking machine that does it for me. My girl, she likes it. I fuck her with it. I look like the fucking, you know, uh, a jet fighter pilot when I wear this <laughs> thing at night. Forget about they it. They call my, my girlfriend calls me Iceman. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm dieting with you, and what's going to happen? What's the goal? We are, well, you had originally had a bodyweight goal. Uh, but we're, we're going to, we're, our, our goal, our objective is going to be for this week to come off uh, rapidly and efficiently and not happy you to do anything ridiculous to get it to come off. I think what will probably happen is the first two weeks will come off easily uh, because I know how much food you eat when you're not dieting. And I think at the end, we may have to use a few of the brown fitness tricks to uh, you know, keep the body stimulated so the weight does keep coming off fast. But I actually don't expect this to be very hard um, because... Uh, I am not going to restrict you from having cheat meals from time to time, and I don't have a deadline for you to be on stage. Uh, and the objective is, is simply getting you to get your weight down, uh, which I think we have more than enough time to do. And um, you know, as long as you stay in touch with me, which shouldn't be a problem, everything will work just fine. I always tell my clients, please tell me how you're feeling no matter what. Even if you think that I am an asshole and you hate my diet, Tell me that you hate it, and I will fix it for you. And I'm sure that you will have no problem doing that. You have a problem with what I have you doing. Uh, and I'm not one of these arrogant guys that's like, well, you do what I say, or that's it. There's nothing else you can do. Uh, I'll work with you. Make sure that the wedding diet is uh, perfect in the end. You're so good to me, PJ. I know. It's true love. Um, I'm down 14 pounds, so that's good. And it's only been uh, it's been less than two weeks, so... I would say we are on schedule. Yes, but the first two weeks is, is crucial. This is when I like to do what I call my starting phase, which is I uh, do with everybody, and I also discussed it to you. It's when I come up with what I feel is a base of amount of calories that you should not be hungry on and that you should be able to drop on. Worst case scenario would be that your body weight would stay exactly the same, but you look and feel better and are not hungry. Uh, most of the time, you will have some sort of drop after my starting phase. I usually nail it pretty well. Every now and then I'll have somebody that gains. Uh, and I typically would assume that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, but I will usually take whatever I do for those people and completely overhaul it. But in your case, it's obvious, like, whatever shit weight and water weight and excess fat that was ready to fall off is already falling off. And, uh, you know, then we'll get into the nitty-gritty and decide if we need to cycle calories and carbs as we go along. But... Right now, the easy part, it'll just keep falling off for the first couple of weeks. Yeah, and uh, people can check out the details of the diet. I'm going to write a new article detailing exactly what PJ is having me do in the beginning and the supplements I'm taking and everything. Uh, and that'll all be at Iron... Uh, th- uh, this is all on our uh, our sponsor's site, Iron Mag Labs. It'll be on the front page. You can see all of the most recent articles on the left-hand side, kind of middle of the page. And um, the first one, the wedding diet, where I kind of talk about the diet, is up there. And the next one will be up there in the next few days. So... I'm looking forward to continuing work with PJ Braun. And this is, by the way, this is no, a few people wrote me and said, why aren't you working with Tad, the diet coach? Like, was he not good enough? And um, that is definitely not the case. I don't want anybody, people to think that Tad did a a wonderful uh, job with me and we worked very well together. And um, this is definitely no diss on Tad. It's just that um, PJ and I are 
are obviously very close friends and it just makes for good content uh, for us, you know, for the, for the radio show, for Iron Mag Labs, for videos, for everything else. And it just makes for a cool story. So um, both of them, PJ and Tad, are both great uh, diet coaches. Yes, yes. Much respect to Tad. Uh, I like Tad a lot, too. Speaking of videos, ah. my video my video is out on musculardevelopment.com. And uh, I think it is actually, arguably, if not the uh, best video that I have done uh, in my bodybuilding career. Uh, I got to say, it was very good. Jordan Blackman did a good job. You did a good job. And um, I was amazed that um, that you've got very little hate on MD because I know that they hate they. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that they hate you over there. I would have thought that they hate you over there, but maybe you mm-hmm. earned uh, you earned some people's uh, respect because this video. Um, people I, people listening to this show might go watch the video and be like, "Huh, not what I expected." PJ is not uh, is a funny guy for sure, as everybody knows. But when you do training and you talk about training and diet and, and what you do, you don't you don't put that side of yourself out there. So don't expect a funny video, but you might learn something. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a time and a place for funny PJ and, you know, there's a time and a place for serious or I like to call nerdy PJ. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, nerdy PJ was there for that video and I wanted it to be, I wanted to show myself training as hard as I really train. You know, um, that's how I really train. I wasn't going to do like stuff that I wouldn't do. I wasn't going to try to be like, okay, I'm having a video camera on me, so I'm going to try to bench, you know, 405 or whatever. I wanted to do my real workout the way I do it. The only thing that you couldn't tell was the pace that I completed my whole workout in. You can see that I'm pouring with sweat. Uh, and uh, the entire workout, all the volume included, was done in 45 minutes. And I do a lot of volume, so that's that's a pretty damn fast pace. Uh, even Jordan was saying how he was impressed with the pace. Um, but he edited it really well. The music that we put in was cool. Uh, I thought it came out very informative, so I think people will learn from watching the video, which I'm never going to wow anybody with Ronnie Coleman's you know, style numbers or lifts, but if I can help somebody learn or try something new, then you know that's what I aim for. Um, but that video is over at MD. Now, mm-hmm. last week, on our last radio show, I made a comment that uh didn't think of uh, at the time uh, as much as, you know, on radio, we, are, uh, you know, we, we, we don't have a script. We just do our show, and that's it. Uh, I had said something that uh, perhaps um, our listeners may have taken the wrong way, or, or you know, somebody that uh, listens to the show could have taken the wrong way. And I don't, I don't think that uh, uh, Dave Palumbo has time to listen to our show. He's certainly very busy. Um, but you know, if anybody at Arts Muscle, Jeff the producer, I'm sure probably has time to listen to our show since he as it's it. Uh, I had said a comment saying that I am not affiliated with with Arts Muscle, and I, I hope that people didn't think. But I was saying that I don't want to be affiliated with RX Muscle because I love RX Muscle, and uh, a lot of great uh, things have happened to me because of RX Muscle. Um, I wanted it to be known that I am allowed to do videos with uh, other companies and uh, other magazines, and I can shoot with other magazines because I'm not simply contracted to RX Muscle like you are. You could not go do a video for MD because you were contracted uh, to RX Muscle, uh, so you would never have to make the comment. Uh, that I made. I am not, uh, I'm a free agent, so to speak. So I want people to know that. And after I shot the video with uh, MD, uh, Jordan was under the impression that I was contracted to RX Muscle. So that's why I felt the need to just toss that out there, just because I'd I like to increase my opportunities. And if RX Muscle ever decided they wanted to contract me, uh, then that's certainly something that I would be interested in. Um, but for now, I'm a free agent, and I hope nobody took offense to that. Um, like I said, I think they're too busy to probably listen to our show anyways, the busiest guy I know. Uh, but if he did, 
And uh, I, I would assume he wouldn't take offense to that. Um, you know, I love Irish muscle, and uh, I appreciate everything that I've gotten from them. Very nicely said, PJ. Very nicely said. Um, that's I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, let's talk about the sex of my baby. This is big news for me. Big news. Um, yeah, and, and it's crazy because you were the only guy that I've ever met that like was was hoping for a girl. Most guys they, they want that boy. They want that boy. But you're like, no, oh, I want a girl. Mm-hmm. I did. You want to know? You want to know why? Is that what you're asking? Well, I know why, but I think everybody else might want to know why. Do you, Do you know why? Tell me why. You, what, what do you think? Um, because I think that you thought that you were so bad when you were a kid that you were fearful of having a boy that was like you. That's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. You know, the truth of the matter is that it's like um, it's hard to really put a finger on it. Like I, I guess, like you know, I thought about it since then, since finding out that I have a boy. And and that does seem to ring true with me. Like like you said, I was really bad. You know, as people are hearing the um, they've now they've heard part one of the uh, Aaron life story or whatever you want to call it, and they'll hear part two tonight. Um, but like you know, a lot of the story is based in my twenties. Um, but you know, we talked about like the the stuff like early on about going to Mexico and doing Nubane early on, you know, I used to sell weed from my house um, when I was very early, like 15, 16 and stuff like that. And, you know, I used to, I worked at a bar uh, as a bouncer when I was a teenager. We had a bar called Hyde Park Corner that was literally a teenage bar. In New Orleans, the, the rules are a little different. So um, we had a bar that was like, um, I guess you, there were people that were like 19 and stuff and maybe even 20, but most of the people were like 16, 17, 18. And I worked there. And, you know, I would come home really fucked up a lot. Sorry, Isaac. And I remember throwing up on the stairs with my mom and dad trying to help me upstairs. And uh, one day I got in a huge fight. And um, I got in a huge fight a bunch of times there. But one time I got my face kicked in. And I uh, I got my cheekbone shattered and my retina dislodged and a serious concussion and everything. And they had to deal with these kind of occurrences happening very regularly. So, you know, uh, it was not good. And I, I basically... At my high school, um, you could get suspended twice in every semester without being expelled. Third to three times and you're expelled. And every semester of high school until I eventually quit high school, I would get suspended twice. So you can imagine, you know, this is, <laughs> that's not a good kid. You know, if you're getting, yeah. I was smart enough to know not to fuck up three times because I would get expelled. But every semester I would get suspended twice. So, you, Do you know what's funny is that uh, in my school, whenever you would get in trouble, they had an index card for you, uh, and they would write, you know, whatever you did on your index card, and it went into the principal's files, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, my parents uh, had uh, four kids that were very close. We all went to the same high school. There was, at one point, uh, three of us in school at once. And my mom had to go to school for whatever I did. And the principal made it a point to show my mom what the average person's uh, uh, record looked like, their index card, you know? This person did this, this person did this. He made a point to show them the, what the normal people's were and then to show her mind that was like six index cards stapled together. Uh, and, and he actually proceeded to tell my mom that in all his years of teaching and the 20-some-odd years of being a principal, uh, that he felt I was very, very intelligent, uh, but I was one of the biggest pains in the ass that he's ever had to deal with. And they were very, very happy to see me out of there when I was done. <laughs> Well, you, it sounds like you weren't very good either. 
Um, but, um, but the crazy thing is, my mom still says that me and my brother were easier than my sisters. Wow. Well, you say your sisters are, you love them, but they're crazy. Oh, they're nuts. They're nuts. You know, Barb, the lawyer, was, would fight more than most boys when she was in high school. She was always getting drunk and just running around and just fighting people. I'm like, dude, you're a girl. And she was a cheerleader. She was like the head of FBLA and like DECA and like running all these clubs, like head cheerleader. But she'd get drunk at parties and next thing you know, she'd be like grabbing some girl by the hair and like punching her face in, you know, like embarrassing wow. stuff, you know. Wow. Yeah, craziness. My other sister, Tony, would just get drunk and just, just go places with random guys, which is, as an older brother, just the worst thing you could ever imagine. Uh, I know that both of them don't listen to my radio shows, so no problem blowing up their spots right now. <laughs> I had been to a couple parties. Now, tell me how bad this would make you feel. Where you, like, you see people looking at you kind of weird, and then they're like, you know, whatever you do, don't go up into the bedroom upstairs. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're like, why? And the next thing you know, you see like a dude that's not even in high school anymore. Like, you know, guys coming back like freshman year of college, the cool older guy's like, hey, what's up, PJ? And then you see like your little sister like kind of like wandering out of the room all disheveled afterwards. Oh, no. What did you do about that? I got into a lot of fights over that because I would just fight on instant over that kind of stuff when I was young. But then after a while, I realized that my sisters were such douchebags that I kind of just like stopped. Like my first sister, I fought somebody to get guys over. Yeah, once it got to my little sister, I was just kind of like, just do whatever you want there. The other one already put me through and I was just, whatever. Wow. And my friends were, my friends were good about it. And my friends, if I wasn't there, they would like make my sisters leave. They'd be like, you have to leave this party, you know, before PG gets here and stuff like that. And uh, it would cause conflict and shit. But, you know, I was the oldest in the family, so I had the most say. Well, you know, that, those stories make me feel better about not having a girl. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> those definitely do. But the thing is, like, Darielle mentioned that to me and I said, listen, um, I, I know what's going on. You know what I mean? I'm not like my parents that were like oblivious, you know, till I was like in serious trouble. Like my parents didn't, didn't get it until I was getting in like serious trouble. Like they would see that I had tons of weed in the house or they would see stuff like, uh, you know, needles and I would just talk my way out of it and they'd be like, Oh, okay. Like when I had GHB, I had this huge thing of GHB. Right. And I would, and I, and they saw it and they're like, what is this? And I was like, it's GHB. I'm like, what is that? Like, oh, it's good for you. It helps you sleep, release more growth hormone. It's good for you. And they're like, oh, okay. And, um, you know, they were seeing, this is right when the, the date rape stuff started coming out. And they were asking about it. And I was like, no, it's not. I was like, it's different. That's a different GHB, you know? And, and my parents just bought it. You know, they didn't, they never liked it. Like with the weed stuff. My dad saw, this is, I, I actually told this story on Access Bodybuilding this week. And I, don't, I can't even remember why. But um, my my dad and mom saw. I didn't know this at the time, but they know they knew that I had two pounds of weed up in my room. This is when I was sixteen, okay. and so they knew it. And of course, I didn't. I, I was barely even smoking, and I was selling it. You know, quarter bag by quarter bag by quarter bag, and like you know, I would sell, tell somebody it's a quarter bag, and I get like forty bucks for it or something, and I would give them a little less than a quarter bag. So it ended up, you know, the the, the two pounds that I would buy for like six hundred bucks, I would end up making you know three grand or something, and. Um, my dad and my saw it apparently, and they talked about it. And they're like, "What is he got all this weed in there?" And so they would check every day when I was in school, and they're like, "Oh, a little less, a little less, a little less." And two weeks later, uh, my dad approached me and he said, "Aaron, you know, uh, me and your mom would have talked to you. We know that you had that um, big bag of weed in your room a few weeks ago, and we, we've been looking at it, and it's gotten smaller and smaller, and now now it's gone." <laughs> and they're like, well, "What what what's the deal with that?" And I was like, oh, you know, I was like, oh, don't worry about it. I was like, I can't believe you went through my stuff. But listen, 
The truth of the matter is I was holding that for somebody else, and he came and got a little bit every few days, and now he got all of it. So, you know, it's out of the house now, nothing to worry about. And they're like... <laughs> you can always take a little bit at a time. Yeah. And my dad and mom were like, hmm, okay, well, we're not comfortable with you storing other people's uh, drugs here. And I was like, okay, well, look, we won't, I won't do it again. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, all right, okay, good, good. How I got my first nice car was they, um, they said, listen, you got to promise us not to do any drugs anymore. And if you won't do drugs, we're going to buy you this brand new Camaro. And I said, fucking deal. Uh, no more drugs for me. That's a great deal. <laughs> I said, no more drugs. Absolutely. And they bought the car. The next day I was, <laughs> I was back doing drugs again, you know, <laughs> but like, that's not me. You know what I mean? I'm not, yeah, I did, I guess. Um, but that's like, that, like I would never fall for that. You know, I'm not that kind of, I would never be that kind of parent. I'm too hip. You know, I know all the tricks. So, um, like with, if it was a little girl, you know, uh, they would be like, you know, they're not going to any house parties. They're not going to, I, I would probably end up, the girl would probably end up hating me when she's a teenager because I would be so strict. I'd be like, bring, bring the, uh, all your friends to meet me. I'd be like, I want to meet every friend that you're going to be with. And I'd like interview them. You know, I'd embarrass her. I'm sure. <laughs> you know? So, um, I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing with the boy. And like you, you said, and Dan Solomon gave me a good, um, a good thing. You know, he brought up the fact that the, the uh, boy will carry on the singer in name. Which is which is significant because if I were to have a girl, there's no guarantee you'll have a, a boy at any point. You know what I mean? And I've only have a sister. You at least have a brother. So um, if you didn't, you know your brother could. I only have a sister. So um, if I don't, you know it ain't happening. Yeah, I, I, I uh, I'm fortunate to be able to have brothers and sisters. So um, if anybody's going to carry on the. Uh, Bron Fitness to me and Bron Fitness. My brother. <laughs> Bron my little brother's been with the same girl for like five years. It's only a matter of time to them. Uh, <laughs> my sister's, um, uh, my one sister, Tony, can't hold, hold down a boyfriend to save her life. Um, she also uh, does hair, which I have found has been a common theme for most girls that do hair. Uh, so, listeners out there, if you are in the business of doing hair, uh, you can contact us if you are in a successful relationship and help out my sister and all the other girls out there that are in the hair and hair business uh, and can't lock down boyfriends because this is something I've found to be quite common. My other sister is a lawyer uh, and she's crazy and I will uh, admire the man that can put up with her craziness, but she's going to wind up selling down with the kind of guy that she totally won't wear the pants. Uh, hmm. That's just the way she is. Um, but I, I don't know if anybody, any of us will be having kids anytime soon. That's for sure. Well, you never know. It's up, to my, it's up to my brother, though. I, I already know. It's up to my brother. God's given me girls. I know it. Well, um, you, you never really do know. You know You know what Carl Lenore told me? And, and if this is true, then it, it kind of makes sense. You know, and Carl Lenore, as you know, he's got some unusual theories. So I haven't looked it up, and I don't have no idea if this is true. You know, Carl, by the way, still doesn't keep his cell phone with him because he's afraid of the radiation the iPhone gives off. So... Just to keep, that's the preface to this story, because I don't know if this is just bullshit or not, but he tells me that when the baby is conceived, when it's first, you know, the, the egg becomes fertile with the sperm, there's a period of time of a few months where if you are uh, ejaculating, continue to ejaculate inside of the girl, uh, Darielle in this, in this case, and you are taking a lot of testosterone, exogenous testosterone, that some of that gets transferred to the sperm and you can actually... Um, influence the sex of the baby by the amount of jizz that you are uh, depositing. 
And um, well, wait a minute. You hit a button on your phone right when you said that part. It was like it, it censored it. What did you say? <laughs> what part did you not hear? Something about your jizz, and then it was like you missed everything. Amount of the jizz. The amount of the jizz can can affect the sex of the baby. You said. Yeah, if you're taking a lot of exogenous testosterone. Then um, mm-hmm. apparently that can transfer to the sperm, and if that you're putting enough sperm in the girl, when the when the um, egg is fertile and, and the baby is starting to develop, you can influence the sex of the baby. That's what Carl says. I have no idea if that's the in truth. what in in what direction, male or female. If you're putting a lot of testosterone in the developing baby through sperm, um, that through the jizz, then uh, then this is possible. Carl Lenore says, "Like I haven't even run this by Dave or you anybody can, else." You can increase, you can increase your chances of a boy. Yes, yes, by being juiced out. That's what he says. Well, that's pretty hilarious. That's what he says. So, I mean, uh, you know, I was depositing quite a bit. So maybe that, if that is the case, then maybe uh, a lot of these uh, bodybuilder guys out there could uh, change their fate if they just, uh, you know. Well, Ben Picolsi had a boy, correct? Yeah, yeah, he did. You're, ha- you're having a boy. Um, I'll have to ask him. I'll have to ask him. Uh, Amit Sapir, the Israeli bodybuilder 202 guy, he uh, he has a boy also. I'll have to see if that's a common theme, how much jizz they were depositing after the baby was conceived. Well, Evan had a, Evan had a girl. Maybe he didn't do a lot of jizzing after that. Maybe he found out and he's like, oh, we'll just do sex every once in a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fantastic theory that I'd like to research a little more. We should uh, we should get all these guys on the show and ask them. Sure Carl doesn't doesn't uh, contact me anymore. I don't Carl, know if I uh, if I upset him or something, I was a regular on Superhuman Radio. I was a uh, the resident personal trainer on Superhuman Radio. Yeah, not and, anymore. Uh, not anymore. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm sure you probably wouldn't uh, necessarily want me saying this on the radio is. Uh, it could be coincidental, but once my arrest went went down, oh. uh, that was when my uh, that was when my career on Superhuman Radio ended. Pro- that is probably not a coincidence. Oh, that's so shame. I like doing his show. I actually uh, was reminiscing about that the other day. How much I uh, enjoyed doing Carl's show. You I, like breaking out nerd brawn for the show? I know. I did. I liked it. I would. Uh, I would actually put a little research into it and everything. Well, the one thing that, um, like, I listened to you on. Um, what was his um, physique radio with uh, uh, Craig Soboke or something? And you broke out nerd brawn, but not full brawn nerd. Um, when Carl has you on, Carl asks questions that are like, um, not that Craig didn't, but Craig Craig kind of had, it seemed like he had a, a list of questions he wanted to ask. Carl will ask you more like, um, uh, I don't know, science-based questions about the training. Yes. So it, it kind of like mm-hmm. keeps you on your toes, you know? Yes, without a doubt. Um, so, uh, yeah, he contacted me. He wants to get hooked up with Envision Medical. He wants me to hook him up, um, and, uh, to do some kind of advertising trade or, or have them buy advertising from him. So, uh, uh Carl does. Carl does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you um, can tell Carl if, you know, he's going to have to come on a radio show if he wants. He's I actually invited him to come on Iron Empire Radio and he, uh, he seemed like a little bit hesitant, you know what I mean? So. Um, Envision um, Medical is going to be a little bit hesitant talking to him until he comes on Iron Empire Radio. That would be great. I know the people listening to this show would love to have him on. I mean, I would love to have him on. So maybe yeah. I can get it. Maybe I can pressure him. Maybe I can hold that money over his head and be like, listen, you want this money? You want the money? Yeah. You have to come on Iron Empire Radio. It will be an, an old off-topic reunion. I know. I mean, how many times were you going off-topic? At least like seven or eight, right? 
a lot. It got everybody, to the point. Everybody, it, lo- everybody loves off topic. It'd be good. To it, it got to one point. Time. It got to one point with off topic where people were emailing me and be like, and, uh, on like some of the boards, like Get Big and, and MD actually, where they're like, don't have PJ Braun on anymore. He's on every week. <laughs> <laughs> remember that? Remember I told you. I was like, people are I talking about that. that. <laughs> they're like, did you know? They're like, we had too much Please PJ Please don't Braun. have him on. Please don't have him on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we really did. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I love the guys. You have to love the guys that that hate me so much that they would email you to, to keep me off, so they wouldn't have to hear me anymore. So they would go to you and be like, "Listen, I, I hate him so much. I don't want him on the show. Please get him off." I I become the conduit for everybody. You know, they, they tell me the good stuff about you. They send me the gay mail about you, and they even <laughs> tell me the bad stuff. It's kind of like with Dave. I am the if people want to get in touch with Dave because he is. Not an easy guy to get in touch with unless you're either paying him uh, for personal training, for his training services, or you want to do business with RX Muscle, or he wants to get in touch with you. So it's not, you know, because he, like you said, he's probably the busiest guy that, uh, he's the busiest guy that I know, the busiest guy that you know. So he's got limited time. So like getting him on the phone, if he doesn't know you, is probably impossible. Um, returning, yeah. getting him to return an email is unlikely. Um, so that's kind of like where you are sitting. So a lot of times people will contact me and say, Hey, could you tell Dave this or could you tell Dave this or send Dave this email? Or can I send you this product so that you can give it to Dave? I get that like regularly. Yeah. You know, so it's now it's just happening with you uh, more so with the gay guys. You know, they figure this is, I'm they're in for you. That's funny. You got a gay guy that you've been working with that you've been telling me you're falling in love with in a non-gay way. Yes. Yes. In a non-gay way. No, he's great. Um, uh, he's a regular client of mine now at a world to train him three times a week. And he's always right on time, which I love. Um, and, uh, take his butt for his workouts. And we, we talk about a lot of funny stuff. And, um, you know, cause he's, he, he's, he's very, he, you know, he's open. He's not, a, not ashamed. And, um, you know, he's not flamboyant by any means. He's like one of those, like more like, I don't know what do they call it. The more like manly gay guys, like the bear, bear, gay, are they bear gays or you know, bear? Why he's all, he's all hairy and shit. Well, he's not hairy. He's just like a, a bigger, burlier guy. Like he's not like a flower by any means. You know, he's got like a flat top. You know, he's he looks like a you know. Like Does he, he have a mustache or a beard? Um, no beard. He's he's a pretty clean cut. Uh, he's very uh, well educated, very well spoken, uh, successful businessman. But he's a bigger guy. He looks like a he could be like a retired football player or something. Huh. Anyway, I'm getting I'm, get, I'm getting off on the subject here. <laughs> but uh, you know, um, when I train him, uh, he is a newly Newly single. You know, he was in a relationship for a couple of years, living with a guy. They broke up, whatever. So he's doing the single thing now. And it's funny to hear, you know, uh, like the way that, you know, the gay guys go out about and do their stuff. Cause they, you know how guys are. Like most of us guys, like we, we'd rather just get right to business, you know. Of course. Skip all the movies and dinner and all that shit. Let's just go and have sex and start hanging out. So you got two guys, you know what I mean? Put them together, you know, their odds are obviously, you know, accelerated for this kind of stuff. So the stories are pretty good. And he's by no means like a, a, a whore. Uh, he tells me the stories and he, he, he met a guy finally now. He met some guys that he wasn't interested in and stuff. But this guy apparently is very, very handsome. Blah, 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 blah. And he was just describing how handsome he was. And I was like, I want to see this guy. Let me see what is so handsome. They have a picture of him. And uh, he's, like, he's like, yes, I do on my phone. So I was like, let me see what, I want to see what he thinks is very handsome, you know. So, uh, 
You wanted, to, you wanted to check out your competition, let's be honest. Yeah, if he didn't look that, like, if I felt like if he wasn't as good as me, I was going to be, like, pissed off. So, um, <laughs> he, uh, so he, he, go, he opens up his phone, and he shows me a, a picture, and it was kind of, like, dark. You were in, like, a bar or something. It was, like, a profile shot. And I was like, ah, I can't even see his face. I can't tell if he's handsome. That's all you have? And he's like, no, no, I have more. And he scrolls to the next picture, and it's just a big, hard boner. And I'm like, ah! And he's like, dude. <laughs> He goes, he goes, he goes, that's not his face. So then he goes to the next one, and it's just another huge boner from another angle. And I'm like, Jesus, where's his face? Oh, my God. <laughs> then he gets to the, to the face, and I'm like, I, I, I can't even tell if he's handsome now after all the cocks. <laughs> and he's like, oh, come on, you've seen those before. And I just started laughing. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, let's do what Stu said. So I now, I now know what his... Uh, you know, current boyfriend's penis looks like from multiple angles. I wonder, I uh, wonder, you know, this is something, this is, you bring up an interesting, uh, interesting question. Do you think that he's taking these pictures and then he will actually jerk off to another man's penis? Do you think? Yeah, because think about like guys, you know, we'll have like sweaty girls send us pictures of their tits and their pussies and shit like that. And you save it on your phone. I mean, shit, dude, back in the day, my Blackberry, that thing was a library. I know. That thing was a who's who of boobs and vaginas. I know. And uh, I'm sad that it's gone now, actually. I think that I could probably ruin the careers of many girls, break up a lot of relationships. <laughs> uh, all, all that I ammunition. Never, <laughs> I would never do that, actually. But, uh, um, you know, think about that. You, and, you know, girls will send guys to pictures like, look, well, here's my tits, whatever, you know. And think about it, you got two guys, so, you know, not going to send a picture of their tits. Like, yeah, hey, here's my cock. And I don't know if they're. If they're bending over and taking pictures of their holes. That's know. what I'm wondering, right? You would think, like, that I doesn't make sense. Now. I'm insane tomorrow. I'm I'm, I'll flip that in. I'll be like, let me ask you something while you, while you rest here before your next set of lap pull downs. Do you guys send each other close-ups of your buttholes from different angles? Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he, I can ask him anything. He'll tell me anything. So, Well, uh, you got to think about it, right? Yeah. If you're looking at a picture of a girl's pussy, you're thinking you want to put your penis in it. Like, if he's looking at a a uh, picture of a guy's dick. Is he thinking he wants to suck it? I mean, he's obviously not putting anything in it. So you're thinking of him putting, I mean, it's an interesting question, PJ. Definitely worth asking. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if, if the thing is really big, it might be a little intimidating because you, you know, like that big thing, <laughs> that big thing is going to be splitting your butt open. It's you know? <laughs> gross. It might be, it might be more appealing for it to be little, you know, be like, okay, this guy's going to bang me with a little penis. I don't want to hurt that bad. Maybe. You should ask him about that, too. It, 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 it may be the opposite. They may be going for the smaller wieners. You know? I have a feeling that's not I mean, the case, but you should ask well, him. Hey, if I'm going to be having my butthole drilled, I want the smallest drill bit in there possible. You know? <laughs> yeah, but you're not gay. Or you're Well, I mean, people on the internet may think it, but you know, it's questionable still. Uh, you know what? This conversation just sparked something in my mind that I forgot to talk about with you, and I won't go off on a tangent for too long like I have a tendency to do. But I saw this movie the other night. I meant to ask you if you saw it. Okay. And it was a, a, a Antonio Banderas movie, mm. and all done in subtitles, right? Mm. And it was called, I believe, The Skin I Live In. The Skin I long, Live In. It was long as fuck. Sorry, and you watched, and you watched and the I, whole thing? Yes. And it, it's relatively new, and this is the story. It's bizarre. This doctor, he's a plastic surgeon. He's amazing. He does sex changes and stuff. This is Antonio Banderas. Uh, in the beginning, you see him, he's working on a skin for skin transplants that, that he has found to be tougher than regular human skin. It can prevent uh, mosquito bites, and it's going to be for burn victims. And he found it through, like, genetic mutation. And the scientific community is kind of against that, as we know in real life anyway. 
Um, so he had been doing experiments on it with this woman that you see throughout the whole movie, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, you see flashbacks, six years. It takes the whole thing for you to get to the point, and then you're, because you're already kind of like, what's going on, you know? Then they show you the, sac- the flashback six years later. His wife was in a horrible, horrible uh, car accident, and she was burned uh, nearly to death in flames, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he, he, he saved her. Uh, she was going to die. He saved her. He did all this plastic surgery to her to keep her alive, but she was maimed like she looked like a creature from out of the planet, right? So when the woman finally saw what she looked like, she was so mortified because she was so beautiful and she looked so awful that she threw herself out a window and killed herself right in front of her own daughter. So the daughter was now traumatized and put in like a mental institution. So he's like, you know, spending all this time trying to help her get out of the mental institution. She finally gets her out. She's, she's messed up. She doesn't like human contact because, you know, she saw her mom die like that. Um, and she goes to this party and she gets raped by this kid. And then she's just all messed up after that. Are you going to ruin but, the whole movie for me? I don't know if you're going to watch it. I'm going to watch it now. I mean, now, now I may not if you keep going, but I, 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 I looked it up while you were telling me and it looks interesting. And I've actually seen this, um, the, um, cover for it or the like poster. I think that it's, it's playing on, uh, it's like a, a movie that you have to purchose, right? This is like, um, on demand. I read it. You red boxed it. Yeah. It's like a rental right now. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Do you want me to stop? I think so because I want to watch it now. Now right. I'm starting because to... this part. Once you figure this part out, wait. Let me ask you: this, is is it is it worth seeing in your opinion? Should I see it? It's it's long and it's if it's like you know you need to focus on it you know and it's like I don't know. Dariel might be like, well, "This is I've had enough of this because it's long." No, Dariel um, Dariel definitely will not watch it. It has nothing. This is one of those movies that I watch. Ninety nine percent of the movies I don't watch with Dariel. Well, you have to read the whole time, so I thought you would like it. I don't. Okay. I think it was an outstanding movie, but I think that you would watch it and call me and be like, dude, what the fuck? The movie was fucked up. When you figure out what's finally going on, you're like, wait a minute. And I don't want to give it away. Don't give um, it If you're going to watch it. But I watch it. It's, it's cer- certainly not what I expected the whole time when you find out at the end. It's very twisted. Well, that's that. good. I like that. I like that. So, but it's all in Spanish, so you have to read the subtitles the whole time. I can handle that. I can handle that. Yeah. Um, all right, PJ, um, I think it's about time for a commercial break. It is my fault. I take full blame. We have no shout-outs this week and no topics to be suggested because I didn't put it on our Facebook fan page like I normally do. I, I am uh, I have messed up, PJ. I was uh, not good this week, and as a result of it, we've got nothing to say at this point. Yeah, I can't believe that we, um, not no, nothing against our fans, but I can't believe that if we don't put that up there, they will come asking for their shout-outs. You know, I think people have gotten used to it because they'll see it on their Facebook, you know, their little, um, uh, what do you call it, their timeline or whatever, the um, mm-hmm. update, the little news update, news flash. So if they don't see it, they don't think about it. But, like, if I put it up there, usually we'll have 20 or 30 of them within an hour or two. So I probably should have put this up earlier, but, you know, I didn't. So I apologize for everybody missing their shout-outs. I promise I will be better next week and I'll put it up. Or, or, uh, or you will. Somebody will. Um, I actually tried to do it for my cell phone at the gym when I went to the gym. I would, I would actually, actually like to do a, a, a quick couple of shout outs. Um, I have, uh, I would like to give a shout out to uh, my client, uh, Tammy Patnode, who's competing this weekend in Orlando in her first uh, women's physique division uh, professional show. She was a professional bodybuilder 
that we downsized from 145 solid, very solid pounds to 115 pounds. And, um, you know, she's uh, already a, a victor, in my opinion, for transforming her body like that. And I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, that our own uh, teammate, Jillian Ravel, is, isn't she competing in Orlando as well? Yes, she is. Yes, she is. So we have our, our Iron Mag Labs teammate, uh, Jillian Ravel, who I think will be a, a certain uh, front runner in that show. Um, uh, I but I know doing that one, it's a big one. I think there's 20 girls on the list right now. So those shows are getting bigger and bigger. So you know, good luck to those girls. And, those, uh, and you know, we knew Jillian for, uh, you know, years, way before she was with Iron Mag Labs anyway. So she would be shouting her out anyway because we both love Jillian. So good luck to them this weekend down in Orlando. I'll be there covering the show with Dave and Darielle. So you'll be there. You can give me uh, you can give me some some uh, feedback and some play by play. I love the women's physique. It's getting bigger and bigger. So I'm interested to see uh, what happens this week. I agree. Um, everybody who is always shouted out. This is just uh, I don't know. We won't go through all of them, but there's a lot of people that are regular listeners. So we appreciate appreciate your support and um, big thank you to Iron Mag Labs. They're putting out their new product, Asta Asta RX. Uh, which is osterine. Um, it's a it's a SARM, which means it's a selective androgen receptor modulator, and it actually allows you to build muscle and uh, lose body fat without affecting your hormones. So it's great for mm-hmm. girls, for guys, especially people um, um, who are like uh, cycling off or like during PCT. If you want to maintain uh, all the muscle you gain during a cycle, this is like an ideal way to do it because you can still get all your hormones back to normal. You could uh, do an effective post-cycle therapy while still maintaining or even possibly gaining, um, which kind of changes um, being off cycle in a way, you know, it's kind of like uh, you're just transferring to a different kind of cycle. Yeah. Like, uh, I think it would be a great idea to get Robert on the show to discuss this a little bit more for our listeners. Um, you know, we'll, uh, people can expect that in the future, um, but this is a revolutionary product that's going to change the game. So it's something that people are definitely going to want to check out. Yeah, I'm excited that one of the cool things that Iron Mag Labs does is that they do put out different products that are that work. You know what I mean? Like the Halo for her, which I have to take credit for since I, I was the, uh, I guess, the inventor or facilitator of this product. And Robert will tell you that. Um, well, but that's super cool. I, I, I actually uh, was not taking the Halo Extreme. Uh, you know, I am very... Um, you know, uh, nervous about going off of my structured plans. And, you know, I had plans that work for me when I compete, and these are newer products for me. And you had said to me, but it was your suggestion that I added into my uh, pre-contest regime, which I did. Now, this is what's interesting, and this is going to sound like bullshit, but I can promise you it is not. I don't know if this is going to happen for everybody. But the only thing that I'm doing different with my prep this year is the Halo Extreme, and I'm also doing the Osta right now. Those are the two products that I'm using right now. Uh, of course, I'm using the on-cycle support, but, but just, just of, of the more serious products. Something, one of those two products, has made my penis bigger. I swear, <laughs> I swear I'm not trying to be funny. Uh, my girlfriend has confirmed it. She was the one who first pointed it out. And then I started noticing, like, damn, it is fucking bigger, isn't it? Sorry, Isaac. Um, you know, not that I thought that I had a, a problem in that area anyway. I mean, um, sure, certainly wasn't Mandingo by any means, so I don't mind the extra... <laughs> girth but it's something that i think uh is very interesting because it's actually noticeable you know and those are the only two things i'm doing different so it leads me to believe that one of those things may potentially 
cause your penis to get bigger. Wow. Uh, of course, it obviously has to do with, uh, you know, the, the effect of the capillaries being swelled with more blood, perhaps. Uh, but to the point where she noticed it first before me, um, I think that our men out there uh, wouldn't probably, you know, it's not all that expensive anyway just to do their own little test on themselves. Who doesn't want a little more down there? You know what I mean? Well, that is a big selling point. If uh, if Robert DiMaggio uh, can put that out there as a uh, as a as another you know claim that these products can do, uh, I'm sure that wouldn't hurt sales at all. And my, I swear I'm not I, I'm not trying to be funny. My I penis, swear, like my, I'm being completely serious. My penis is already so large, PJ, that um, I really can't tell a difference. You know, any. any uh, I already get faint when I get an erection, so it's there's that much blood, <laughs> blood flow. So. so, so it's so hard to so hard to keep going. There's so much blood in, in one spot. I can't really can't really put all the effort in. <laughs> yeah, I get a little faint. It's it's a problem. So, um, big shout out also to uh, our two other sponsors, um, Ergo Pep, ErgoPep.com, our exclusive peptide sponsor, who's helping uh, me do some research. You do some research. I just started researching uh, the melanotan again. Man, it's amazing the difference. You just because I hadn't done it for, for since before Australia, so I was starting to get pale again. And uh, you know, I noticed in my face especially that I'm when I'm considerably paler. Even though the, the crazy thing is, I haven't done it and I hadn't done it in like a month, and I still had more color than I ever would normally, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny because I don't I rarely tan. The most I tan now is once a week. And you and used to, to and you used to tan every day. You know, you used to tan every yeah. day almost. I used to go probably minimum of three times a week. And yeah. everybody's like, you're so tan. And I don't even realize that. I'm like, yeah, I guess I am pretty tan. Yeah. Uh, so so it does truly work. So I did a half a milligram and I went to tan and I turned really red at first um, because I hadn't been to the tanning bed in a long time. And this is the difference. Normally I would peel, right? Because I got that burned. But two, three days later, that redness turned into tan. And now I'm like fully tan again. Darielle's like, I can't believe how tan you are after one time. And it's, it is crazy. I think I'm as tan as I've ever been with one tan. Um, and normally that would have just all sloughed off. All that skin would have peeled off and I would be mm-hmm. looking at like uh, future skin cancer. But instead, I'm tan, which is uh, surprising. It's crazy it came back so fast. So you guys can go on there and uh, uh, check us out on there or go to uh, Orbit Nutrition, Muscle Mitch. Big shout out to Muscle Mitch for supporting uh, the show. Um that was pretty cool. I think Muscle Mitch is uh, uh, technically our first uh, advertiser. He was definitely before our group. Yeah. Uh, Iron Empire, Iron Mag Labs, of course, has been with me, you know, from the beginning. So, uh, and then you. So um, they've been, I guess that's a little bit before. We need some more sponsors, PJ. We're stagnating with the sponsors. We are stagnating with sponsors. I think that we have uh, well, been so busy yeah. that we haven't been uh, putting it out there as much as we used to. We'll have to get back on, on top of that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we we definitely do because there. This is like a great advertising a- avenue for just about anybody. So um, we'll have to get back out there and try a little harder. Like you said, you know, got other money coming in now, so it's hard to focus on every little avenue to make more money. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, big shout out to, to OrbitNutrition dot com. They already have ridiculously low prices on all the supplements, but you can go and use the discount code IER5 and get 5% off the already low prices. You know, that may only cover your shipping or something like that, but uh, when it's that cheap already, you know, even 5% can make a little difference. Yeah. Um, and that's it, PJ. We'll go to commercial break. We'll be back with uh, the Aaron story part two. Okay. Yeah. 
Iron Mag Labs is the leading supplement company offering the most hardcore pro-anabolic supplements on the market. Visit IronMagLabs.com and check out our top-selling pro-anabolics. Methadrol Extreme, Super DMZ RX, Cytostain RX, and E-Control RX with 6OXO. Iron Mag Labs makes supplements that actually work. No hype, no BS, just real results. There's a reason you keep hearing about Iron Mag Labs. Come see what you're missing. Visit IronMagLabs.com for the most hardcore bodybuilding supplements. Orbit Nutrition carries over 1,000 of the hottest nutritional supplements, performance enhancers, and nutraceuticals on the planet. And now, Iron Empire Radio listeners get an additional 5% off their everyday low prices by using the coupon code IER5. That's IER and the number 5. Choose products like Quest Protein Bars, iForce, Iron Mag Labs, and more. Check out Orbit's daily deals for special insane blowout prices. Log on to Orbit's Nutrition Forum and get feedback on the products you're interested in. Check out OrbitsNutrition.com and use the discount code IER5. Tonight's show is brought to you by Ergopep Peptides. Ergopep is the only research company ran by guys like you. Guys who share your passion and have achieved the goals you strive for every time you step foot into the gym. IFBB Pro Phil Hernan and his staff want to make your peptide research as easy as possible and encourage you to contact them with any questions you may have or help you may need at sales at ergopep.com. That's sales at ergopep.com. Or on their website at www.ergopep.com. Let Ergopep help you get your research started today. PJ and I don't just suggest you contact Ergopep. We do our own research with them as well. Ergopep.com. And now you can get 10% off by going to Ergopep.com and entering the discount code Iron Empire Radio. In the hood, and they hop their pretty ass up on the hood of that pretty ass car without a wrinkle in today. Cause there's no tomorrow, just a picture perfect day that lasts a whole lifetime, and it never ends. Cause all we have to do is hit rewind. So let's just stay in the moment, smoke some, drink some wine, reminisce, talk some forever young as 
in your mind Leave them off the kin and race Neither space nor time So when the director yells cut I'll be fine I'm forever young In the sky, then I die. I'll be alive for a million years. Bye bye, so not for legends. I'm forever young. My name shall survive through the darkest blocks over kitchen stoves, over pyrex pots. My name shall be passed down to generations while debating up in barbershops. Young, slung, hung here, showed it from here with a little ambition. Just what we can become here. And as the father passed the story down to his son's ears, younger kid, younger every year. Yeah, so if you love me, baby, this is how you let me know. Don't ever let me go. That's how you let me know, baby. Hold up, thought I lost it, they be talking, I'll be talking more, they nauseous, hold up, I'll be here forever, you know I'm on my fault, I ain't with foreclosure, I will never forfeit, less than four bars, Google bring the chorus in, did you get the picture yet, I'm painting you a portrait of young. Welcome back to Iron Empire Radio, and PJ, I guess we're going to start back with the uh, Aaron story, uh, my life story, I guess. I mean, it's really not my life story. <laughs> it's my drug-related <laughs> life story. If this was my whole life story, it's pretty uh, pretty sad, but uh, yeah. kinda, I guess the, the idea is to give people a picture of some of the stuff that I went through and um, and to kind of give them more of an insight on on my personal history. Yes, and the, the first uh, part of the show, people seem to enjoy a lot. A lot of people were uh, looking forward to this part. This is the part that I feel is really going to uh, uh, grab people's attention even even more. So we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it. Uh, we covered your, your your earlier stages of your uh, you know your career in drugs, as I like to call it. <laughs> and uh, now we are going to talk about uh, the first time that you ever did cocaine. Okay, so um, as people say, cocaine is one hell of a drug. And, um, the, the first time I did it though, okay, I've done cocaine a bunch of times in the past where I snorted it, not, not a ton, but a, a bunch. And I'd never liked it. Like, I don't like the process of snorting stuff in general. It's just never been, um, something that I've always hated it. You know, I don't like the feeling of it. I don't like to taste the stuff. Um, I just didn't enjoy it, you know? So cocaine was never something I liked. Um, so when the first time uh, I was with somebody and it might've been my friend Nick, who I wanted to have on the show tonight, but he goes to bed. 
Uh, he's a respectable businessman now, even though he was a hardcore heroin addict in the past. Um, he goes to bed at early. So, and we're doing the show too late. He's asleep. So I didn't get a chance, but I think I might've done it the first time with him where I shot it or injected it. And, um, it was such a little, you know, you figure you do a line of Coke, right? And I guess I didn't put it two and two together that you wouldn't inject quite as much as you would snort, you know, cause obviously when you snort something, you probably lose a good uh, bit of it, you know? And then when your body processes it down to hit the bloodstream, I'm sure it doesn't, it doesn't work. You know, you're, it doesn't work as well because your body is breaking it down when it goes through uh, the, the stomach and everything else, you know? Um, but when you shoot it, you get all of it. And I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. So <laughs> I did like, I put it all in a, in, a, in a syringe. I don't know. Should I tell people how you inject cocaine? I mean, should I not even say that? Cause I, don't, I want to encourage you. Uh, no, it's, yeah. It's scary. The, 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 the fact that you would even want to do that frightens me. Yeah. Uh, well, um, cocaine, you don't cook up. You don't heat up like heroin. You just basically put it into a syringe with water and that's it. And then you shoot it. It's pretty simple. Um, you don't, have to, you don't have to heat it up or anything like no, that? No, no. You just, I mean, I, that's why I don't know if I want to tell people about it because it's really easy to do. So I don't want to encourage anybody to try it um, because uh, cocaine is, in my opinion, cocaine is much worse uh, in a way than heroin because heroin, when you do it, you know, you're basically not really functional after that. And um, you don't really need it anymore because you're not uh, sick. You know, it's like you've done it and you feel better and you're fucked up. And a few hours later, you're basically back to a normal human being again. With cocaine, when you shoot it or when you snort it or whatever, especially when you shoot it. I guess when you smoke it too, although I am, uh, I never, for whatever reason, I never smoked crack or smoked cocaine. I felt like it was like beneath me for some reason, which, you know, sounds ridiculous. It's funny now. considering considering all the other stuff that you did. Yeah, I felt like that was like the uh, ghetto, ghetto drug to smoke crack would have been <laughs> like, would have been like beneath me, me. I always associate crack with the ghetto too, though. Yeah, it just didn't seem, it didn't seem like, I was like, I'm not doing that. That and crystal meth. I never did crystal meth because I saw how fucked up it made people look. I mean, I've seen some people who did a lot of crystal and their teeth are black or yeah, gone. Oh, God, it's disgusting. Uh, meth mouth, they call it. They get their teeth all rotten. Yeah, yeah. I was always, I was always too vain. You know, I was into bodybuilding and everything. I didn't want to, I saw what these people look like and I was like, there's no drug that good. You know what I mean? That I want to look like that <laughs> permanently. Um, yeah. So uh, I never, I never did that. But with heroin, like I said, you're not, you know, it's like. It's a different kind of deal with Coke. You'll do Coke. You'll get fucked up from the shot or you'll get like, you know, high basically from the injection. And then 15 minutes later or so, maybe 20 minutes, you want to do it again. And even if you don't have it, you want to do it again. If you don't have it, you want to find it to do it again. And that, that's what's so bad about it. Yeah. And like you could see people doing things they wouldn't normally do. Um, to get cocaine, like you know, you hear about the you ever, like the crack, the guy, I'll suck your dick, you know. That's like <laughs> co- cocaine could make. I could see how it could make people do things um, that they wouldn't normally do to continue to have it. You know, it's that uh, that dopamine release in the brain um, when all those neurotransmitters are going and they're firing off in such a like extreme way. Once they're gone, your body's like more, 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 and um, mm-hmm. and then when you don't have it. And there, you run out. There's a really a big come down because you you know all of the all of the good feeling neurotransmitters are gone. So you're by, you're like ugh, depressed, unhappy. And some people even get like suicidal and stuff like that. Um, especially if they're already like a depressed person. Uh, I never got like de- depressed to that degree, but you could definitely you would not be happy once the cocaine was gone. You know. So your only option is to get more or what? Or you do another drug to make yourself come off of it? Or? Well, you could take something to go to sleep or you could just fucking deal with it, which is not pleasant. You know, you'll get kind of shaky, sweaty, not feeling too happy. 
uh, what I would do a lot of times is I would lay in bed and read. And uh, I would read and read and read until it was totally worn off and I'd fall asleep. That's when I would do it by myself and stuff um, in the very beginning. Um, when I first did it, I did too much and, and I felt like my heart was going to pop. Um, I did it and, and I did it and it scared me. I like, uh, I think I might, maybe, you know what happened? I'll tell you exactly what happened. Nick left some at my house and I didn't want to snort it. So I decided I would try it. And I did that big line and then I called him freaking out. I was like, oh shit, you know, something is wrong because I, I was like, you know, I was really, really high, you know, but I, my heart was beating fast and I felt like I might have a heart attack. And he was like, no, no, it's okay. You're fine. It's like, you would be dead already. If, <laughs> if you would, uh, if you would have a problem, you would have already had the problem. Um, and yeah. it's funny when it started wearing off, like, and I, I was thinking to myself, like, oh, thank God I'm okay. Everything's all right. And then when it was totally worn off, I was like, should I like some more? You know, <laughs> that was the next thought in my head after I realized I was uh, like, okay, I, I wanted more. And that's, that is a, uh, not a good situation. I didn't get any more at the time, but that is, gives you an idea of, uh, what cocaine could do to people. Um, now, little, yeah. I'm curious, I'm curious how much money were you spending like a, on like a week, we'll say. Okay. Cocaine. So here, okay. So that's, that is a good point. I didn't spend, when I was really doing a lot of cocaine, I didn't spend any money. And the reason why is because I got together with this girl, uh, of all places, I met her on the internet, uh, this girl, Jennifer, and, um, she was a little tiny white girl. Uh, I would say five to a hundred pounds, maybe. And she got to a lot less okay. with all the cocaine we were doing. But when I met her, she was about a hundred pounds. And um, basically, we met up. She came to my really shitty apartment. Not super, super shitty apartment that Angel talked about, but like the slightly mm-hmm. less shitty one. And um, yeah. and she drove a really nice car. And, uh, you know, she had money. And she, when the first time we hung out, she brought cocaine over. And um, we hung out and everything and did the cocaine and... Uh, she actually had me shoot her up because she couldn't do it herself. And so this was uh, obviously uh, uh, the beginning of a horrible relationship, even though, it, you know, at the time I was like, all right, you know, she, here she is, got this money with cocaine. So I ended up moving in with her and I found out that she was a very big uh, cocaine dealer. And um, people are thinking probably this little white girl, little skinny white girl is a cocaine dealer, a big time cocaine dealer. And that seems kind of like probably incongruous to a lot of people. But in reality, uh, she was very popular because the people that she would deal with, a lot of them were like um, people that would rock up the Coke and turn it into crack and sell it to other people who would sell it to other people who would sell it on the street. Um, and the truth, and actually it's funny because the people who she was giving to who would give it to other people and other people like their dealers were actually selling it on Yellowstone in that area where I used to go buy all the heroin. So it's just, it kind of, it's funny how that, uh, that ended up working, but these these dudes basically da- very dangerous you know gang affiliated black dudes most of them um, like dealing with her because she was non threatening um, you know okay. they felt like this is what I what I got from it they felt like they're going to see this little white girl at, at her you know fancy apartment and they don't really have anything to worry about they're not gonna this girl's not gonna shoot them and take their money you know they're they're not gonna get beat up they don't have to worry about you know getting fucked over she's not gonna like cut the coke. Uh, she's not going to do anything. How did she? How did a little white girl like that get mixed up into doing something such big, such big time like that? Good question. So the way that she got hooked up was she used to date uh, this Hispanic guy. I can't remember his name now, but at one point in time, he was a very big uh, drug dealer, kind of like doing basically doing exactly what Jennifer ended up doing. And the guy that um, he got his stuff from, 
Oh, like the big time, he would actually, you know, fly it all in. Um, mm-hmm. the, this guy, or he would actually, it's interesting, they would, they would drop it into water, like in the Gulf of Mexico, and then somebody would pick it up in a boat, bring it into shore. Like, they would drop it off the plane into the water, and they would come and pick it up on the boat and bring it into shore. Well, that's the guy that the Spanish guy that she was with dealt with. And at some point in time, those two guys had a disagreement, and that guy killed her boyfriend, the Spanish guy. And wow. however, however it worked out, the Spanish of the, the guy who brought everything in and Jennifer stayed in contact. Personally, I think she said no, but I think she was sleeping with that guy for a while. And somehow she took over uh, the ex-boyfriend, the Hispanic guy's job, basically. And so okay. she, she was that guy who I think she was sleeping with back in the day, um, put her into the position the Spanish guy was in. And... Um, she continued talking to all the people that the Spanish guy used to deal with. She just basically became the Spanish guy, but a little white girl version. Um, and uh, so when I met her, it's funny because all the dudes, like they would get super uncomfortable and I would have to leave because they didn't want me around, you know, like mm-hmm. even at, at that time before I got really like doing a lot of Coke, as Angel told us on the last show, I was like still a pretty big guy. And a lot of these guys would get nervous and I could tell like they were getting nervous and stuff. And so I would usually like leave or take the car and go somewhere when she was doing the, like meeting up with these guys. Cause they just got nervous. Um, but we would, she would have like amazingly large amounts of cocaine at the house. Uh, even when she was, after she had sold all the stuff, she would still keep a few pounds of cocaine, uh, at the house. So I basically had unlimited, uh, cocaine through Jennifer and, um, at the time, I was still, you know, I was still going to the methadone clinic and getting my methadone um, because, you know, even though I wasn't taking heroin, um, you, I would have still been very, 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 very sick if I would have just stopped. So I was still going to the methadone clinic this whole time. Um, what would you say was the most cocaine you were doing, like in, in the peak of your cocaineness? I would say about 14 grams a day, uh, which is a bunch. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I would say a hundred, hundred plus shots a day. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, uh, it was, it was a good, a good bit, a good bit of cocaine. Uh, we were doing a lot, you know, um, so that we would go through a box of insulin syringes, uh, every few days, you know, and how we, much would that, what now, if you had to pay for that, how much would that cost you? Um, you mean like if I, if you were a normal person just buying it off the street, yes. mm-hmm. uh, yep. a gram, a gram of this kind of quality cocaine usually goes for about 70 to 80 bucks, um, wow. in, in Houston. I don't know what it would go for in New York city or something, but in Houston to get high quality, uh, cocaine like that. So I would say, you know, about 900 to a thousand dollars a day. God damn. Yeah. It was a lot. And, and then she would do almost as much. She would do about half as much as I would do. Um, so we would go through, we went through quite a bit. And, um, when you're doing that kind of amount of cocaine, um, you stay up all night long, basically doing it. You don't eat, you don't drink any water and I would do it cause it's unlimited. I would do it to the point where I would be hallucinating, like seeing and hearing weird stuff. And I would finally like lay down in bed or sit somewhere and my body would just shut down and I would go to sleep for days. What, what kind of stuff would you see in here? I remember one time she left to go meet these guys or meet somebody. And I was laying in her bed waiting. Uh, and I hadn't done any, uh, Coke for a little while or something. And I was laying in bed and I started hearing like children laughing and like, uh, you know, like hearing like little kids, like, uh, laughing. 
And I looked all around the apartment. I looked outside and I looked through the window and there's no kids anywhere. And I laid back down and I'm hearing them laughing again. I'm like, oh, fuck. And I'm like looking around and checking the TV and like all cracked out. You know, I probably hadn't been to sleep in a, in a week. And, uh, you know, I'm like checking everything out and like looking around and I lay back down again. I start hearing them laugh again. And so finally I was like, fuck it. I don't care about these kids. I'm going to sleep. And, uh, and I passed out and I didn't wake up for like almost two days. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty, it was pretty, it was a pretty crazy time. So you can imagine how much weight I lost, um, staying, not eating, not drinking for, it's actually amazing that I, that, um, I didn't have more like health problems with all of that because what, what, how skinny were you? I got down to 170 pounds. Um, that's as skinny as I got. Angel saw me, I think when I was like 190 or something, and he was like amazed at how skinny I was. 170 um, must be really freaking skinny. Yeah, it's funny because my parents have always now they're not like this as much, but back then they really didn't like the bodybuilding and juice and everything like that. Now that you know I'm doing well and like making a living and you know stuff like that with um with bodybuilding related stuff, they're good with it now. Like it's, it's different. But at the time they thought like, for some reason they thought all of my problems were related to bodybuilding somehow. So when they saw me losing all this weight, they were like happy about it. You know, when I was 190, they're like, you look the best you've ever looked. This is the handsomest you've ever looked. And then I got to like 180 and they're like, Oh, you're getting a little skinny. And when I got to like 170, that's when my parents were like, um, something wrong. You know what I mean? Um, because 170 doesn't look good on somebody 62 you start to look very very skinny what did they, what did they think looked worse when you were like 170 or when you were like 285 285 no question about it no question <laughs> they hated that they hated it my dad tells me last time i was home you know now that i've gotten heavier again in the 260s he always mm-hmm. says he'll be like you look very hulk like you look like a hulk and i'm like thank you <laughs> i tell him i tell him thank you he's like that's not a compliment <laughs> Like that's, not a, like that's not good. Hulk like, like Hulk like is good. Like your your when traps. When you that, you should be like, you should be like Hulk getting angry and start smashing things in the house. He'll tell me he like your traps are too big, and I was like, your traps can never be too big. <laughs> Hulk smash. <laughs> yeah. So um, so um, they they're okay with it now though. Like they're they don't uh, complain. My mom used to always tell me when I was like that. My mom doesn't hold back any punches. Like, I don't know about your mom, but my mom is like, she's like the social assassin. You know what I mean? Just like uh, Larry David. She will, (laughs) she will fucking tear you up. She doesn't even, she doesn't even know she's doing it, but she'll be like, Aaron, you look fat. I'll be like, thanks. Thanks, mom. Thank you. I like that. Or she'll be like, she'll be like, your haircut looks bad. Like thanks, that's nice. You know, she does like she will say straight up like that. She'll say it just like that, like literally just like that, and and, like stuff that you would be like, "What did she just say?" Like you know, she'll come up and be like, "Like you have pimples all over your face." Like, thank you for pointing that out. You know, (laughs) Um, she wouldn't do that to you, but like to me, she will say that kind of shit. I remember one time that really pissed me off, and it made my dad mad too. She came up to me and she goes. You know what? She's like, your hairline is receding. And I was like, what? I was like, what did you just say? My dad's like, what did you just tell him? And she's like, she's like, I just think that he's going to be bald. And I'm like, mom, that's not a very nice thing to say. And my dad, my dad was like, Lynn, why did you just say that to him? He's like, she's like, I don't know. I was like, ay, ay, ay. You know, you know, that's, that's my mom. That's my mom. That sums her up. Very blunt, blunt Jewish woman. Yeah. Yeah, you would love it. You would be very entertained by her saying that kind of stuff. I would. I might have to uh, 
and see if I can uh, get some of that out of her at the wedding. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, I'll tell you one funny story. That's not funny at all, really, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. One story at uh, Jennifer's apartment to give you an idea of what um, what it was like. One of the more um, one of the more crazy stories. So we got this guy that came over to the house. Uh, I won't say his name in case people, you know, I don't know. It seems like it would be uh, not nice to say. But so this guy came to the house and um, he came over. And a lot of times people like kind of wealthier people that have the money to spend on a bunch that she knew and liked would come over and buy a small amounts of cocaine. And when I say small, I mean like, you know, um, I don't know what would be a small amount, uh, you know, Half an ounce would be enough, or an ounce would be enough that we could uh, that they would come over, and if she liked them, then they would be allowed to come over and just get that, which is you know, it's I don't want to say it's small, you know, that would be like fourteen hundred bucks or something. So it's not like really a small amount, not for like something like a normal user, but for um, I guess you could say it's this is like kind of a friend. So this guy came over and he came over to kind of party and do do his cocaine because he was an older. Uh, more successful guy, not a crackhead type dude. He had money and everything. So he came over and he said, you know, he had a hard day at work and he wanted to come by and hang out and basically get fucked up. Uh, sorry, Isaac. So he was, he was fu- getting fucked up and stuff like that. And, uh, we were doing, uh, doing drugs and we were injecting, you know, the, the drugs and, uh, me and her went back to the bedroom and he was sitting on the couch and we came back about 30 minutes later and uh, he was just sitting, laying there, and I don't know, me or her said his name, right? And uh, no reaction. So I walk up and I'm like, "Hey, I'm, you know, dude, nothing." So I push on him, and nothing. I was like, "Uh oh," you know. And I start kind of like noticing a, a, a bad odor, and, I, and, it, and then it hit me like this fucking guy's dead, you know? They shit his pants. He, he's dead. And I was like, "Oh, not good." And I told her. I'm like, Jennifer, you know, this fuck, this fucking guy's dead. She's like, no way, no way. She comes over and starts shaking him and slapping him. And the fucker, he's dead. You know, he's like Whoa. getting, getting cold dead. And, um, she's like, what do we do? What do we do? You know, I'm like, fuck, what do, what do you mean? What do you do? You, you got to call the police and tell them that, you know, this guy's dead. Get all the, get all the drugs out of the house. And, you know, you got to call the police. And so she's trying to convince me to take his body pick it up and bring him to his truck and put him in his truck and then move him, you know, move the truck away from the, away from where they, where we were at her house basically. And, uh, and we got into this whole enormous argument right there with the dead guy on the couch where she's trying to convince me that this is the best thing to do. And I'm trying to explain to her that at this point, this is an accidental death. If I pick this motherfucker up and put him in his truck and move him, now that has got to be a felony somehow or another. Like I couldn't explain exactly how, but moving a dead body, if anybody watched CSI, they know that is not okay. You can't just pick up dead people and move them around and do whatever you want with them. Um, as I'm sure you can imagine, that's not a good idea. No, I wouldn't be touching any dead body anyway. Yeah. So um, basically what we ended up doing is she ended up calling the police and uh, they came and, and talked to, uh, her and I tried to stay the fuck out of it basically. And, <laughs> and she uh, explained kind of what happened and that he just died. And um, I thought it would be a bigger deal. I was like, Oh, I don't know what's going to happen with this or what's going to happen to her or everything. But the, the, um, they basically, you know, put him in a bag and, and kind of took him out of there. And the crazy thing is at some point his family must've got called 
So like they were there at the scene when they were like bagging him up. And I was like, wow, this is so fucked up, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and they took the body away and, and the guy was gone. And I got to tell you, it was, it was a very, uh, crazy experience for me because I'd never seen that happen. Like, you know, I basically saw the guy die, you know, he was alive. And then a few minutes later, you know, we came back and he's, he's dead. And, um, it was it, that it, that is definitely something that I'll always remember that'll kind of stay with me because for one I like the guy. Uh, another thing, it just shows you how it showed me how delicate uh, life really is because to see that transpire in front of you, you know, a guy who is who you know uh, you wouldn't he's young enough that you wouldn't think that the guy is going to die, you know. Um, so yeah. kind of kind of realize I kind of like realized the fragility of life at that point. You know, fucking crazy. Uh, crazy. And the funny thing is that you would think that that would like make me stop, but it did, that didn't. That didn't at all. You know what I mean? You were like, you're like this guy's ruining my eye. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I was like, fuck. I was like, it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't enough. It, it's funny. I also thought about it in another way at the time, which seems kind of like sick now, thinking back on it. But I also thought to myself, ah, that wasn't. That didn't seem that bad. You know, the guy like uh, didn't seem like like dying was that that horrible. You know. The guy, the guy was there one second, and the next second he's not. He looked pretty peaceful the whole time through. You know what I mean? Nothing weird. He didn't like no blood or anything was coming out. No, no, no. He looked like he was sleeping. Um, so like I, uh, you know, in, in a weird way, I was kind of like, like you know, it, like being really nervous of dying at the time seemed to be less, which is probably a bad thing considering all the things I was doing. You know, because mm-hmm. I was never afraid for my own. Uh, my own like uh, life, you know, my parents were, I know my mom was very, my mom and dad were very concerned. They said that they were just waiting for a phone call to tell them, you know, I was, I had died. You're, you're too uh, high on drugs to be scared. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I was, maybe I was just um, unrealistic. You know what I mean? I just didn't, you know, I didn't, I just didn't think, you know, they always say, you don't think it can happen to you. Well, I just didn't think it could happen to me. You know, I thought that I was, that I was too smart, that I didn't ever push the limits. You know, I did drugs, but I wouldn't, uh, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people I would see. So you, you thought you, you thought you had it in control. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I was probably very, very, very delusional, but, uh, that's what I thought at the time. Um, all right. So, you know, you see a guy die at this point. I mean, is this the, is this the worst of it or does it get worse from this? Um, does it get worse? No, I mean, that was, you know, with Jennifer in the house, that was about about as bad as bad as bad as it got. You know, that was that was probably if I look back on the low points, um, that was those low. But what really did it for me? It's funny um, being like a, a bodybuilder at heart. The funny thing that did it for me, I guess it was a two part thing. We were laying in bed, right? It was late at night, and uh, she told me. She said, "You know, told me she loved me or something, something to the extent of that she loved me." And I remember looking at her and like thinking to myself, you know, is this it? Like this girl loves me and this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I kind of had like a, a panic attack of, of sorts, you know, like I felt like you know, I never really had a panic attack before. So that's the closest thing I can think of that. I, I, I like, I like kind of freaked out. Like the fact that she said it at that point in time, I don't know what did it, but that like freaked me out. And I went to the bathroom like to get away from her basically. And I had no shirt on. I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, holy shit, do I look skinny and horrible? You know what I mean? Like I didn't look like I lifted a weight a day in my life. That's how I looked. And, um, 
And so I, I it just kind of, I was like, I got to get out of here. And I actually, um, at that point, put my clothes on, didn't say anything to her and just left. And um, went back to my apartment who, thank, thank God at the time, I still had an ap- apartment. Um, I went back to my apartment, locked the door and decided that I was going to stop doing this stuff. And she came to the house the next day and knocked on the window and tried to get in. I just ignored her. And, um, and that was the beginning of things getting better for me. Uh, at that point, I never, uh, I never injected anything ever again. And to this day, and, um, for some reason that epiphany was enough to make me decide that I didn't want to do it anymore. And, um, not that long after that, I met Amy and I, I, you know, I would got, I actually did the methadone clinic only and, um, weaned myself off of the methadone, which was a, a whole horrible, um, process, you know, because methadone is not easy to uh, come off of at all. It, it actually gets in every cell of your body. So even though, um, people take it to come off of heroin in, in, in reality, methadone is a lot harder to get off of than heroin because the half-life is so long. Um, and if you're taking it every day for months and months and years, getting off of it is a long, horrible process because like if you come off of heroin, you'll be really sick, really, really like acutely sick for like three or four or even five days. But with methadone, when I came off at the very end, even though I was taking very, very little, I was sick for a month. Like I felt like I had the flu for a month. Um, so that's not a problem. And if you have a real job or like you, you know, you've got kids to take care of or anything like that, that's something that most people couldn't, could not deal with. How, um, how long were you in the methadone thing for? All in all three years, three years. They were actually, it's methadone is such a business that the people that I was going to the clinic to see, they didn't want me to quit. Like when I was like we- wanting to wean off, they didn't want me to wean off because you pay them. I think we were paying like uh, $20 a day or something like that um, for the methadone. And uh, they didn't want me to quit. So like, they're like, no, no, don't. Uh, it was, it's actually uh, an African couple, um, Dr. Zum- Zum- Zumba or something and his wife. And they were very nice to me. Uh, and they liked me very much uh, because I wasn't like the typical customer of theirs. I was always very nice and respectful and, you know, a lot of the people that come in there are pretty, like, pretty mm, sketchy people. You know what I mean? As you can imagine at the methadone clinic. And I was always very nice and respectful. And, I, you know, I waited my turn in line. And I always talked to them nice. And I paid on time. <laughs> so, so they love me. They love me. And so, like, when I wanted to leave, they didn't want me to. They were like, okay. I was like, look, I'm going to start weaning myself off of this stuff pretty rapidly. They're like, no, no. You need to take at least one year to, to uh, stop. I'm like, ah, crazy. I'm like, nah, that's okay. And they were, they didn't like it. So at the, at the end there, I had, I had to save up enough methadone for all my take home doses to let, um, to have Amy wean me off. And I didn't even let, I didn't even know the dosages. I just let her give me whatever she thought. And I told her, just wean me off as fast as you can. And, uh, don't even tell me. So she would like give me less and less every day until the end when I got to very, very little five milligrams. And then when I went from five milligrams to nothing, that's when I got sick for a month. And uh, if I didn't, if I wasn't at the time doing uh, off topic with Carl Lenore during that time, I would have had no money at all. And uh, Amy would have been supporting me completely because that's, she did basically support me during that month because I had no job and really no means of income other than uh, off topic, which was new at the time. Wow. Well, yeah. something positive uh, that came out of having Amy in her life. In the yeah, beginning. absolutely. Um, now it's interesting. I was, um, much, much later, uh, when I was doing considerably better, I ran into a guy uh, who was 
one of the people that would come over and buy uh, smaller quantities of cocaine from Jennifer, uh, this lawyer, the guy's name is Peter. And um, he was a big time lawyer, a partner in a law firm in Houston and uh, pretty kind of like smart guy, well to do. I always liked hanging out with him when we were doing cocaine because we'd always have intelligent conversations or at least so I thought, you know, Um, and uh, I bumped into him at Dillard's and he was a selling shoes at Dillard's and I was like, holy shit, because I like it, it was so strange to see him selling me a pair of shoes that I almost didn't even recognize, you know? And I was like, Peter? And he's like, yeah. I was like, what are you doing selling shoes? And he said that he had gotten disbarred um, for uh, uh, felony cocaine possession. So he was actually selling shoes as a means to make money, which is unbelievable because the guy at one point in time was making a million dollars a year as a partner of a... Crazy. As a very big... Uh, this was a very big law firm. I'm not going to say the name, but people, I mean, people who know law or no oil business know that uh, this is a big law firm. They represent all the big oil companies. And he was like a, uh, not a senior partner. I forget what his title was, but it was a big deal. He was a head of like uh, the tax division and he was making, you know, over a million a year. And now he was working, not even as the manager. He was just a salesperson at Dillard's, um, which was like, a, it was a trip, you know, cause he was spending so much money on drugs. And I know he had, uh, he had some bad investments and probably a lot of bad decisions to get him to that point. But so I bumped into him and he said, uh, had you heard about Jennifer? Now I'd been not talking to her and broken up with her for quite a long time. I don't even think I was together with, I don't, me and Amy had already broken up. So this was like, this was, I don't know. I, I probably told you about this when it happened. So it wasn't maybe, maybe a year and a half ago, I would say. Um, and so uh, he said, have you heard about what happened to Jennifer? And I said, no. And he told me that uh, Jennifer, the girl that sold the Coke that I lived with for I don't know, over a year had, uh, had gotten beaten to death in a drug deal gone bad. And, uh, it was kind of like a shock, you know, um, that, that first of all, that she is dead. And then another thing that she had been, uh, died in such a, a fashion. Do you remember me calling you and telling you about that? I do. I actually remember, uh, specifically when you, when you ended with her, uh, how was it? How was it? Like when you split up with her, how, how was she slept with her? You split up with her. Oh, okay. How was that? How um, was it was not good because um, she didn't understand. Like she was still doing the drugs and doing what she was doing, and she had this whole lifestyle. So she um, she was not happy about it. You know, uh, I mean, she also thought that she loved me. You know, so um, she wasn't happy about it. She called my parents and told them all kinds of bad stuff about me. You know that we were doing cocaine together and that you know all this other stuff because she was upset and. Um, and she even made shit up that wasn't even true and told my parents. She was nuts, you know? She was nuts. What I didn't, did she tell them? I don't even remember now. You'd have to ask my mom, but it was all kinds of crazy shit. I don't even remember. I think she might have told her that I beat her up or something or that I, I stole her money or, you know, I, I owed her a lot of money or so, something like that. I can't even remember. Um, I blo- probably blocked it out because it was such craziness. I know my mom was like, what the fuck is wrong with her? And I was like, a lot. Um so, you know, she was unhappy about it, I'm sure. And I didn't handle it in the best way. I didn't, like, explain to her, like, um, I mean, I was fucking on drugs, so what do you expect, you know? But I, I, I basically yeah. just left, you know? And then when she would come and call me, I wouldn't answer. When she'd come knock on the door, I wouldn't answer the door, you know? At one point, she was banging on my door so much, like, slam- banging and banging on my door at the apartment that the cops got called on her uh, by one of my neighbors. Because wow. she, she was a nutball. She wanted, you know, she wanted me back, I suppose. 
And uh, yeah. she, she was nuts. And I had already made the decision that I was not going to have anything to do with her. She would email me. I wouldn't respond. And so, like, it's funny because even up when this happened and I found out she had died, I, I had still been getting emails from her every once in a while. Every few months, she would email me and be like, hey, how are you doing? I want to talk to you. You know, I'm doing better now. I'm not doing drugs anymore. You know, please call me. This is my number. No, just ignore her. Um, yeah. Because, like, what good could possibly come of that, you know? Um, so, and, um, so that, that was basically the, the, the bad end that came to uh, Jennifer. And, and it was like, thankfully, you know, at that point my life was doing so much better that it was just who, like, uh, who, who, who found her? what was in the, it was in the papers and stuff like that. Um, no, nobody you knew, like any friends or anything like that. No, I, I think that the police found her. I think somebody reported a dead body. Wow. You know, um, that could have been you if you were still with her. Yeah, I think that it probably would have been. I wouldn't have been surprised. Did you ever think, did you ever think that to yourself? Of course. When I heard about it, I was like, wow, you know. I mean, in a way, you know, I was like, I was sorry for her. And I was especially sorry for her parents because her parents really, you know, they were a lot like my parents. They tried to support her. And they knew what stuff was going on. They knew bad stuff was going on. I mean, look, the girl didn't have a job, right? Like, she's got yeah. no job. She lives in a very fancy place, drives an $80,000 Range Rover. You know, and she has no job. So what do her parents think that she's doing? You know, nothing good. Yeah. Um, so this was, uh, this was, it was sad to hear, but in, in a way, definitely I was like, wow, you know, I got out just in time. Crazy. Um, just to, to sum up the, uh, the little bit about how I got to uh, here now, uh, people know from listening to off topic, I got, I got lucky and got hooked up with Carl, but the way that I did it, was that um, somebody gave me advice. I was actually personal training uh, at a at a wellness center. And uh, one of the trainers told, I noticed this guy made so much money. Um, you know one of these trainers that are like, that, that just have people constantly. He was charging $100 an hour and he had people constantly. Like he would be there at six in the morning and he would leave at eight at night and he would have people literally straight through. And uh, the guy drew, drove a Porsche 911 Turbo and I was at the same gym training people making like, I don't know, $25,000 a year, right? So I'm like, what is the, what is the difference between this guy and me? Because um, he, didn't, he didn't look particularly special, you know. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, you know I didn't watch how he trained people or anything. But, so I asked him, I was like, man, what, what, give me some tips. Like, how are you doing so good here when I'm doing like, you know, pretty mediocre? And he said, man, do you, do you love personal training people? He said, is this, is this what you're passionate about? And I said, um, no. And he said, well, this is what I love. He said, I love doing this. Every day I get here at six in the morning, I'm excited to be at work. And when I leave, I think about who I'm going to be training the next day. And I was like, wow. I was like, well, that's definitely not me. Um, <laughs> and and uh, he's like, he's like, okay. He's like, that's cool. He's like, there's nothing wrong with that. What you need to do is you need to figure out what you're passionate about and go home tonight and think about it. Think about what you really like doing. And then you need to figure out how you can make money doing that. And he said, and he said, just, you got to decide to pursue it and start thinking about it and think about it as much as possible, how to get involved in it and participate in it as much as you can. He's like, if you like singing, if you want to make money in singing or you want, or you're passionate about singing, he didn't even say make money. If you're passionate about it, then you need to practice singing all the time. You need to get involved in some way to do this as much as possible. When you're not doing it, you need to think about it. You should read about it, should listen to it, whatever. And consider it. Think about it all as much as possible, and eventually, uh, you will make that work. 
And, uh, and I was like, oh, okay. And uh, it sounded kind of like crazy to me, but I, th- I went home and I really did think about it. I thought to myself, what in my life, you know, other than drugs, have I ever like really been passionate about? And uh, the only thing I could think of was bodybuilding. And, uh, and I thought to myself, how the fuck am I going to make money doing bodybuilding? Because, you know, I, I'm realistic. I looked at myself and like, I'm not going to be a pro bodybuilder. You know, it just, it yep. was not going to happen. Uh, I didn't have the genetics for it. And even if I did, I was so far behind the eight ball at that point, you know, that if you're basically starting from relatively from scratch at, uh, you know, in your late twenties, you're, you're pretty much screwed as far as bodybuilding goes. Um, so I figured how, what can I do? You know? And so what I did was I took his advice and I started posting as much as possible on, uh, on the MD boards. Um, I even posted some on get big and I started uh, reading as much as possible, listening to all the radio shows, every single radio show. And I immersed myself into bodybuilding as much as I could, not knowing really anybody. And, uh, and I spent all my free time that I wasn't at the gym training people or working out, thinking about bodybuilding, reading the magazines, reading the boards, reading articles and posting. And one of the things I decided right off the bat is if I'm going to do this, to try to get a job or make something out of it. I can't be swole gun 69 or, you know, big muscle Papa John or whatever. I have to be Aaron Singerman. So that was a key. I posted that as myself always. And, um, one of the things I did was I listened to all the radio shows and I, I would email all the hosts from all the radio shows, uh, Dave Palumbo, Dan Solomon and Carl Lenore. And really those were all the shows available at the time. And the only person that ever really responded, I mean, Dave responded a few times, thanks, whatever, but it was pretty, you know how Dave's emails are, they're quick. And, uh, you know, there's a few words and that's what I would get. Uh, but Carl actually took the time to tell me he wanted to speak to me on the phone. He liked what I wrote him and he said, can we talk? And that turned into me actually, uh, interviewing Carl on superhuman radio. The first time he'd ever been interviewed on his own show. And, uh, and that developed into off topic. And then when, uh, John got fired, from Rx Muscle that developed into working with Dave with Rx Muscle and, and it continu- continues to develop to this day. I remember when I first met you and it was at the Olymp- Olympia, was it? No, it was the Arnold. Arnold, yeah. Right? Yep. And that was a long time ago. It was when? 2007 or 8? Yeah, one of those, yeah. And you had just started off topic. Yep. Yep. And from then till now, you've uh, you've really come a long way. Yeah, pretty pretty uh, pretty unbelievable, actually. Even if I think about it, it's pretty unbelievable. You know, there yes, was on something passionate to do uh, that you could make money on. That you met your uh, future wife uh, and a lot of your good friends, mm-hmm. and um, so it's been uh, very very uh, positively influential. Uh, the sport of bodybuilding and what you've done with it for your lifestyle. It's funny, you know, PJ, you see a lot of people on the internet who are like, who are hater fans of bodybuilding. You know what I mean? They like, they, they follow everything, but it seems as though they hate everything about bodybuilding. And a lot of people used to critique me and they'd be like, you know, like, you know, I'm friends with, you know, it's not good to admit this in our industry, but I like, and I'm friends with Anthony Roberts and he always has negative things. We don't talk very much, but when we do talk, he always has so many negative things to say about bodybuilding. And he's like, you know, why don't you see these negative things in bodybuilding like that he sees? And the truth of the matter is that I really only see the positive stuff because I choose to only see the positive stuff. Mm -hmm. Because for me, bodybuilding, 
uh, probably saved my life, you know, and it has provided me with all of the things that I'm happy with today, one way or another, indirectly or directly. Uh, I'm confident that I'm going to be very wealthy because of bodybuilding. That sounds ridiculous. And people are, will probably hear that and be like, whatever, there's no money in bodybuilding. Well, I got news for you. There's money in bodybuilding. So not only will I be able to provide for my family, but I also (laughs) basically met my family through bodybuilding. I met most of my friends. I have almost all of my fun through bodybuilding, uh, indirectly or directly. And, uh, you know, I have really nothing bad to say about it. The things that people don't like about bodybuilding, I'm okay with. I embrace the bad things because I'm so happy with the good things. I like that. Yeah. Um, So the moral of this story, to sum this whole thing up, um, is to find something you're passionate about, follow it with, with all your heart and as much effort as you possibly can. And my, my philosophy is don't do anything that you don't like. You know what I mean? If you have to, to make ends meet, to follow your passion, then that, that is okay. But you should never settle. If you don't like your job right now, if you're listening to the show and you say, fuck, I hate my job. Well, then you need to get out of that job and you need to find something else to do that you'll be happy with because life is, life is too short. You know, as I've seen, you know, people dying, you know, to do a job you don't like or to be with somebody you don't like, or to be doing something you don't want to be doing. There are other things, options out there. And if you do what I did or what, what you can do um, to follow your passion or find something that you love, even if it seems ridiculous, there is, there is success to be found doing something that you love. If you love it enough and you think about it enough and you focus all your energies and passions towards that. Good enough, PJ. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, philosophical. Will you? Will you do? You do it too, in in, in a sense. You know, you're very. You are uh, me, and you are very similar in that way. You really don't do anything you don't like to do. You know, uh, if no. some, if you don't want to do it, you don't like to do it. You don't do it, and the reason you are able to do that is because you followed something you do want to do. Uh, with so much, whether it be, you know, uh, learning more about the body or learning more about exercise or learning more about diet or, you know, it, one of many, many different facets of it, you put those efforts into that. So now because of that, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Yeah, I think that it is a mistake um, for people to not try to do what they enjoy. Um, I, I think that the life is very short. And I think that we should get the most out of this life while we can. Uh, and we should spend our time doing things that make us happy and things that we are passionate about. And no matter how uh, strange it may be to some people or how unacceptable it may be to some people, if it's something that you're passionate about that makes you happy, I think you should do whatever it takes to make sure you're doing that. Uh, because ultimately, that's what will give you true you know, peace and true happiness uh, within yourself, which is how you can then expand and, and, and grow into having a good relationship and having a good business sense. It all comes from your happiness and your inner self first. I, I can you know, vouch for myself, you know, when, when I'm not at peace with myself, it affects the rest of my life. And when I am, uh, it affects my, the rest of my life, you know, in a positive way. So it's, it's certainly, uh, you know, uh, perhaps not the easiest thing to do. You know, you may say, oh, I have no chance to do it, to do radio. You know, why would I do radio? So many other people want to do that, you know. Why, why could I do anything with bodybuilding? So many other people do that, but it's the people that actually try instead of saying, I'm going to try it, you know, I'm, I'm not going to just, just not even try. I'm going to try uh, because, uh, you know, you can fail, of course, but, you know, to not try at all is, is failing from the start. You may be just the, 
the person that actually can have success doing whatever you decide to do. You only know if you try. More often than not in life, if you put a lot into something, you'll get a return. I agree. I guess um I guess that really the moral of my of my story is that anything is possible. You know, you can go from uh it's possible to go from a uh a FEMA apartment, you know, with no electricity, eating peanut butter and jelly and protein powder to uh you know, where I'm at today, you know, meeting uh the love of my life, having a son, uh working in an industry I love, making more money than I to be honest with you that I even thought that was that I would ever make. Um being happier than I thought that I could be and uh, not doing anything I don't like to do. I mean, uh, my work is fun, so I don't, I can't complain about anything that I, that I have to do work wise. So that is, um, you know, a pretty amazing thing to think that I could have went from there to here and that people right now are listening to this show and listening to what I'm saying and possibly getting something out of something that I'm saying, which is, you know, like when, uh, when we talked about last week, how Craig said on his show that I affected him. Uh, personally, by the, the story telling the story the first time, I guess in less detail, but basically telling the same story, that is mm-hmm. something that that I never thought was possible that I could affect somebody in a positive way. Because the only per, I mean, I really affected people only in a negative way myself, my parents, people around me. Um, so that is a uh, that is pretty incredible. And uh, isn't it great? Don't you feel so good when you hear stuff like that? Yeah, you know, I, it's funny. I was with my with my fo- with my dad, um, you know, and you know he is sick and stuff like that. And I decided to because he got lost so much weight that um, that I decided to take him out shopping for clothes because um, you know all his stuff. Like he was wearing a thirty eight pants and an extra large shirt, and now he's wearing a medium shirt and a thirty four pants. So um, he needed new clothes. He was just like wearing a belt really tight and like he looked like he was wearing his dad's clothes, you know. And so I brought him out, and he told me, you know, he, he, we were driving the car. He told me, listen, I, I want you to know I'm really proud of you and what you've accomplished and where you are in your life. And I was like, wow, you know, I honestly, it, it, it hit me harder than it would normally. You would think that it would because just, I mean, really just a few years ago, just, you know, six or seven years ago, that would have been, the, he would have, he could have told me that I'm worried that I'm going to get a call from the police or something that you're dead. So to, to come that far in such a short period of time, um, well, it was, it was meaningful for him to say that. Yeah, for sure. So that is the Aaron story, <laughs> PJ. I feel like, I feel like, uh, I feel like it, I, I told a, a kind of a drugged out version of the Aaron story, but uh, I guess that's, that's what people wanted to hear. I hope. Uh, I feel like I just, uh, uh, finished reading uh, Homer's Iliad. <laughs> Are you saying it was um, too long? Was my story too long? No, 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 no. Two shows of two shows of Aaron's drug story is definitely not too long. But we got it out there. Now. It's done. It's done. No more drug story. It's going to be at least a few more years before I do the drug story again. <laughs> I'll just direct everybody no to this. Yeah. Uh, I'll later know. Uh, I uh, responded finally after that. You know, I, I like how I can have like 18 year old kids uh, calling me a pussy and stuff on Twitter for not measuring my arms in response to your video. And I responded to it. And where is the video? I'm sorry. I have not edited it yet. I've got so much stuff to do. I'm going to edit it for you. I did um, some videos for Envision that uh, I had to edit. And then I just did a, um, a Iron, uh, Iron Asylum video for RX with your client, actually, Mark Andrade. And I had to do another uh, uh, Iron Asylum video that I'd shot for Dave. So your arm video is coming up. Plus, I also shot the video I need to edit 
of um, Darielle and me finding out that we have a boy, which will be an interesting video because I videoed that. I videoed the whole process. At first, she was like, "You cannot put this on the internet," and I showed it to her, and it was so good, like it was like emotional that she was like, "Okay, you can put it up." <laughs> um, yeah, so it took. You know, she's been telling me that she doesn't want any more of our private life put on video, and so I'm kind of like, "What can I do?" You know, she's like, she seems pretty adamant about it. So I was happy that she uh, relented. So I've got a lot to edit. Yours is not taking that much time. I just need to. I need to put the intro in it. I need to put the titling and put some kind of music in part of it, and then we'll be um, we'll be ready to roll. It'll, I'm going to try to do it tonight. Oh, fuck, it's three in the morning. I don't know. I might not do it tonight. Sure. It's understandable. It's late. All right, PJ, uh, you got to find us some music, and uh, we're done. I got to get up and pick Dave up in about. I got to get up about four hours. Great. Yeah, I have a great song for the end of the show. I, I need to brainstorm a good song uh, to lead us into uh, you know the intense. A cocaine story, but I'll come up with something in a, in a couple of minutes, and uh, I'll have that for you in a matter of minutes. I promise. All right, excellent. That is the end of another episode of Iron Empire Radio. We will be back next week on Thursday. Recording on Wednesday, up on Thursday. That's the plan, at least. Alrighty. Bye, bye, PJ. Take it easy.
Start the week. 